It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Um, I have a question um, for Dr. Francis Cress Wilson. Um, on a job, I've been subjugated to white harassment which involved me and another white woman I go by a code of conduct when it comes to dealing with white folks and uh, I minimize my contact with them I don't speak to them and the company that I work for does service for the hotel that she just so happened to um, work for and um, when she tried to speak to me um, I would ignore her and I wouldn't talk to her or anything. And I would just um, grab the papers and go on with my day. And I've noticed that, you know, there are consequences when it comes to ignoring white women on the job. And um, it got, I got um, news from the um, VP of the hotel that they had um, contacted my manager saying that um, I was harassing her because I was ignoring her. I wasn't um, following proper job procedures or anything like that. And what I've noticed is that um, when I was outside of my booth, she tried to come speak to me again, and I just kept ignoring her. I wasn't talking to her or anything like that. And um, Her boyfriend her boyfriend said, hey, black effer, like, hey, black mother effer. Like, you know, I think that was his way of trying to get my attention. So I laughed, and I continued on ignoring him, and um, also her. And I noticed how he went on the inside of the hotel and tried to pick a fight with my black coworker, who was just so happened to be African at the front desk. So they called security on him. And um, she got frustrated, and she told me, well, you should be happy a woman of my status is trying to speak to you anyway. Um. 
I have a question. Um, is there anything that I did wrong? Is there another way I should have handled the situation? Um, do you have any um, input on it? I would just suggest, and, and correct me if I didn't hear you totally. Do you see, I think that start out in terms of attempting to be courteous and respectful at all times, you know, to the extent it's that... It's hard, though. It's very uh, hard, you know. See, sometimes white females want to insist that a black male give them attention. And they are, and I'm not saying give the female any attention beyond being professional and polite. Uh, do, do you see what I'm saying? And yeah. you may have to give, uh, you know, sit down with your manager and say uh, the person is being demanding or that I relate to them. Are there guidelines that you would like to give me about how I can conduct myself in a professional way? Do you see, I, I, I don't date people on the job if that is what the issue is. But sometimes they can be very provoking. I had a situation where a young black man um, in Boston, he was working in a, Senator Kennedy's office, and a white female would constantly come by his desk and touch him. And he said, Dr. Welsing, how should I handle it? And I said, you can say that, you know, really this is sexual harassment. And her response was, who are you going to tell? Who will they believe, you or me? Do you see what I'm saying? So that whole thing of trying to, whether she's trying to get her white boyfriend to have a response, that I will protect you from this black monster, you see. But I would start out saying in the workplace, you know, try to have uh, conduct that is professional in relationship to other co-workers. In other words, you may have an idea about what racism, white supremacy is, but in terms of your performing in your work setting, you know, so then I'm going to be rude and disrespectful. I would say uh, don't use that approach if you can, you know, be polite and courteous, but uh, that doesn't mean, you know, laughing and grinning and, uh, you know, well, don't you date? Don't, you know, a number of black males have said, white females have said to them, oh, you're not interested in white females? Or don't you date white females? Uh, do you see where the person is honest and they might answer, no, I do not. Thank you very much. No, I do not. Do you see? But if somebody is attempting to be provocative, you may have to resort to uh, speaking to a supervisor. Uh, please tell me how... Uh, I can handle this situation. You see, I am being polite 
and courteous in doing my job in relationship to this person. But I I would prefer to not have all of this extra attention. Does that make any sense to you? That makes perfect sense. Um, I also want to add is that I completely, I mean, I completely appreciate all the things that you've done throughout the years, and I consider you Neely Fuller's, Mr. Neely Fuller's partner in justice. And um, I just want, I just appreciate everything that you've done. Context of white supremacy, uh, always uh, at least a good start uh, to begin with the voice of Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She spoke uh, about workplace racism many times uh, through the years, her visits uh, to the cows context of white supremacy. Again, this is our weekly Thursday broadcast workplace racism every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, if you would like to dial in, if we have black entrepreneurs. If we have black people who have figured out, hey, this is what to do so that you have no struggles on your job. You go in, you work your hours, you get your promotions, you get your raises, and you never have a moment of conflict, strife. You move right on up the corporate ladder. As long as you want to hang out there, no issues. You should be the first folks to dial in if we have any listeners, uh, black listeners, who have got themselves in that position. If you're self-employed uh, and you are rolling, you don't have any problems. You don't have any white people that work for you or you have figured out if you have white clients uh, that you serve, you have figured out how to deal with them uh, and neutralize any of their attempted racist activity. Dial in the number 641-715-3640. The code five six four. Nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Number again six four one seven one five three six four zero. Decode five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Uh, again, if you do not, if you're not able or you just don't want to call in via phone, you can share your thoughts, observations uh, via email. My email until justice at Gmail dot com until justice at Gmail dot com. You drop me an email. We can read if you have uh, a situation that you want to share and get feedback from listeners. If you have commentary on any of the things that are shared over the course of the broadcast, just whatever you would like to share with us you can keep it uh anonymous just drop an email until justice at gmail.com and i'll keep an eye uh, on my mail as we proceed through the broadcast uh, again i want to encourage folks this is not a spectator broadcast uh this is not something uh where you just wait for thursday now it's warm i can you know kick back go sit outside on the porch every thursday and look forward to hearing uh, the black people and whatever miseries they are going through on their job and just kick my feet up and maybe listen while I'm enjoying my evening supper. That is not what this is designed for at all. Uh, black people, Dr. Welsing used to say this regularly. Uh, black people, it should be impossible to get five black people together. 
uh, where you cannot have a lengthy, hours-long conversation about how those five black people are experiencing white supremacy racism on their job. Uh, I think it's very important reflecting, reviewing your work history, uh, maybe looking back at incidents that happened previously when you were more confused about racism, white supremacy, and now with a better understanding, you can look back and kind of see how racism was being practiced against you or how racism was involved in a particular uh, situation. I think that's helpful. We certainly have younger listeners who do not have extensive work histories. I know they and others appreciate uh, being able to hear about different situations. Uh, It kind of helps us be on the lookout to know what type of things that we should prepare for, plan for, that we can expect from racists. Uh, and I also think it's it's just very helpful to be able to see some of the similar patterns uh, in terms of the same types of things that racists carry out in workplace settings. Very, very important. I hope folks benefit from the sharing. In that vein, uh, some of the folks who wrote in already uh, to share commentary, uh, people who emailed uh, commentary. And I want to read a few at the beginning and then I'll try and sprinkle in uh, the rest as we proceed. Uh, so number one uh, person wrote in. They said, I've recently, this is a black male. I've recently been sent to another job location with the same company before going to the supervisor, before going, the supervisor told me who to report to when I get there. By his last name, it appears that he is a non-white Hispanic male. So so when I arrived at the job, the non-white Hispanic male asked me how the racist supervisor was. I responded, last last that I saw him, he was in good health. The non-white Hispanic male gave me a strange smirk and walked away. From some of the previous programs on workplace racism and my own experience with Hispanics, they often try to identify as white. I believe he asked me that question to see if I will gossip about the other supervisor. I noticed that the very same pattern of questions comes from other suspected racists on previous jobs. Second incident. While on this job, there's a suspected racist that's about that appears to be in his mid 60s. Uh, and for the last week, he just stares at me and doesn't speak much, but he just stares. So I made it my duty to watch him very closely. So one day, while it was slow, I had the machine turned to the back so that the back was facing him. But the machine has a side mirror so I can see him very well. Within a couple of minutes, he came creeping alongside the machine. I then said abruptly, can I help you with something? His response was, I was trying to sneak up on you. I asked him, why would he want to sneak up on me? He had no response and left. With that encounter, and by his constant staring, I've started to wonder about his sexuality. My doubt was confirmed on our next encounter. He came to me and said, you have to take the bucket off the machine and put the, uh, I'll say penis, but that's not what he wrote. I said the extension Uh, I said the extension correct. He said, no, I call it a penis, but that's not what is in quotes with this racist said. You black guys don't have problems with penises. That's not what he said. I said, I can't speak for all black guys, but I do. So I put the extension on and every racist suspect made the gesture about their penis. Hmm. Third incident. 
a suspected racist came to me and said, I'm really bad with names. So he re-asked me my name and I asked him his name again. We exchanged names. He pronounced my name clearly. I pronounced his name clearly. He then said, hey, do you mind if I call you D for short? I said, no, sir. You can call me the name that I told you I would like to be called. If any have suggestions or if you felt I handled these situations correctly, any information would be greatly appreciated. I'd say, number one, I think we talked about this name thing repeatedly, uh, standard operating procedure, uh, racists not respecting uh, titles uh, of black people. So either uh, they mispronounce your name or they make up all these little nicknames and what have you. A lot of times they have secret little racist jokes where they're calling you D uh, and you think that's, you know, maybe short for your name or whatever it is. Uh, and they're saying D is for Dick, that's the black <laughs> or whatever else, you know, it is. That's just how uh, racists get down. So uh, I am a huge advocate and I think it's uh, an exercise in black self-respect when you're on jobs. I don't do nickname. I don't call anybody here, black people or white people. I don't call them any nicknames or make up any little uh, funny little sayings or slogans that I'm just going to call this person every now and then. I call everybody here uh, by their title, Mrs. Miss Mr. In most cases, I know some people are in those you know jobs where they want people on a first name basis. That's fine, too. But just call people what? They want to be called, and I expect the same in return. I think that's great, and I know we've had other people who've said that they do that every time, and you can do it courteously. You don't have to curse and do all that, but just, you know, I'd appreciate it if you would call me by my name every time. I'm just not into nicknames and things. I've seen where that can uh, get really out of control in workplace environments, so I'd appreciate it if you call me by my name every time. Thank you kindly. Or you can, however you want to say it. Uh, the other incident, with the guy sneaking up on you, I think we've also had some other people uh, at least one other person that I can think of where uh, whites were trying to sneak up on them at the job. And I think one white person that was doing this had like some combat training. I take all that stuff really serious uh, on the job. Anytime where it's looking like whites uh, are trying to make you uh, the butt of some uh, joke, uh, excuse the pun, trying to make you the butt of some joke uh, or coming in and just saying all of these racist and crude type of things. I would really be hard on the serious conducting myself in a very serious manner. I'm not joking at any of these, uh, what you call jokes, uh, and just tacky commentary. I'm not joking, smiling about any of this again, being courteous. You speak to everybody morning, Bob morning, Ted morning, Helen, you speak to everybody, but I'm not into any of this uh, behavior. I would make that very clear and be consistent about it. It's great uh, that you were talking about the machine has a mirror on it so you can uh, get a wider uh, field of view so you can see what's happening around you, behind you, and what have you. If you've got all these type of things happening, I think we've encouraged before people to maybe have a, a mirror at your work area so you can see uh, because other people, like I said, have commented that whites, you know, come behind them and sneak up on them, sneak up on them to hug them or some other, you know, just white supremacist terrorism. Uh, so I'm a big advocate of that. Staying in the question lane. Why are you sneaking up on me? Is it something that I can help you with uh, in terms of doing all of this? Uh, the set you you said uh, the person that wrote this said uh, that you had. Uh, maybe doubt suspicions. Maybe, you know, this is a race soldier who is making some sort of sexual uh, advance. We talked about this in the delectable Negro, right? White men's sexual attraction to black males. 
absolutely could be. I would take that serious, too, and I would also monitor your uh, personal space. Sounds like uh, if he's sneaking up on you and that sort of thing, I would be real cautious uh, about folks uh, getting close to me and that sort of thing. And I would make that clear, too, uh, that, you know, hey, um, I, I really try to be respectful of other people's uh, personal space. We're here. We're doing our job. We're all working together. But, you know, I don't want people in my personal space. I don't want to be in your personal space if that sort of thing is happening, if they're trying to sneak up on you and touch you or anything uh, uh, of that nature. Uh, This person did ask if folks have suggestions uh, or comments for these uh, three different, I guess, scenarios uh, or situations. I always ascertain. I know the first incident you were talking about, the so-called Hispanic person uh, and snitching. I think that is absolutely true. They will try to see if you will gossip or talk bad about someone else on the job and then see if they can use that. To brand you as being, oh, this person is disruptive and they're around here trashing our team members and we're a family and you're around here waiting until they turn around and then say something. So so I think that's a great habit, great response. I don't have anything bad to say about anybody here. I would just assume they might be recording you. We talk all the time about uh, having recording devices and that sort of thing. They might have you on camera uh, making these comments. So I think that's a great move. And again, I just encourage folks, ascertain to the best that you can, is this person white? That's number one. And then even if they are a non-white person, you should not assume that this person is an ally uh, or a friend of yours. Uh, You are behind enemy lines on the job. Many, many non-white people, victims of racism are compromised and helping out racists directly uh, on the job. So you just have to keep that in mind. United Independent, getting things done. Uh, I'll read one more and then we'll get to some of the folks uh, who called in. Uh, Next person. Uh, They said maybe a few callers, uh, this is a black female, maybe a few callers can provide some assistance in explaining why white employees like to uh, infantilize other white employees. For instance, in my workplace, white employees' names are shortened to kitty nicknames like Susan will be turned into Susie, Matt will be turned into Maddie, Brad will be turned into Braddy, and so forth. This doesn't happen to black employees. Hmm, I've seen a lot of nicknaming of black employees. Continuing, I have an issue with my workplace handbook. I noticed that I was accruing the wrong amount of PTO, pay time off. I asked uh, Human Resources about it because in all three copies and formats that the handbook was given to us, it displayed a different PTO rate than I was getting. And HR simply said, our company goes by a different rate than the parent company. We don't follow their handbook, all in quotes. I then asked for our company's handbook and HR stated there wasn't one. Now, I spoke to our HR privately in person and did send emails to leave a paper trail. After speaking with HR, my manager sends a passive-aggressive broadcast email to everyone about PTO. I thought it was against the rules for HR to discuss private matters with other employees as I did read the handbook, with uh, which, come to find out, only applies to things that HR feels at the moment. Wowee, the tackiness of whites. Very important. That's what I said about reading your employee manual, because even when you find discrepancies like that and that, you know, I'm not surprised about that at all, where you have something in the policy and they say, oh, yeah, this is not our policy or we updated it or this is a brand new one. This is not even the policy for our company. This is the policy for our parent company. We have our own handbook and we're not going to make it available to you now. That is a level of tackiness that you would not know about unless you read your handbook. 
That's what very, very important. Now that you know how deep all of this goes, now you can make a better assessment of the situation and what you want to do uh, moving forward. I think it's great. You said you, uh, the person who wrote this, she said she was able to send emails uh, with folks. So you have some uh, electronic uh, an electronic paper trail in terms of what people said, if they responded, if they didn't respond at dates, times, all of that. Great uh, for all of this moving forward. Them not giving you a handbook. I would have a question about that. And that might even be one on an email. So are you telling me that it's not possible for me to get a copy of the actual handbook with all of the pertinent information about my job uh, responsibilities? That might be one that I'd want to send uh, via email. Uh, however you want to phrase it, the best way to put the question together. But that might be one that would be great uh, to have to get somebody saying, no, it's not possible for us to give you the accurate handbook with all the pertinent information you need so that you know correctly you can assess your PTO and any other info that you might need to do your job correctly. Um, and I think, Matt, I think we talked about this maybe once or twice before. I know human resources, we talked about that, and even some of the uh, listeners work in human resources. Man, I would assume whether it's human resources, if it's a custodian, if they work for that company, I would just assume whatever you say, like I said earlier, that you're being recorded, uh, that they've got uh, a video recording device in their hat or their glasses or their contact lenses or their belt buckle or all of the above uh, or recording device on their watch or their pen uh, and or they're going to take verbatim notes and hand them out to every single employee in the company. That's what I would assume every time. You are at work and you open your mouth about anything that nothing you say is going to be privileged, private, confidential information. I know uh, Forbes, they have a section that's just on workplace and they were talking about this and they said the same thing. Any conversation you have, even if you're leaving, even if you're uh, quitting, you hit the lottery and you got five billion dollars and I'm quitting. I put in my two weeks notice and I'm out of here. They do your exit. And even that, I would assume they're going to share that information, especially if you're a black person. So definitely, I would just have that in mind. Whatever the situation is that white people, I think I've said that for years, white people network. Uh, and one of the primary things that white people talk about is their niggers. So I'm sure immediately, whoever it was at HR, let's go in and posse up with all the other whites. This nigger had the audacity to come in here and trying to get some extra nickels out of us. Now let's get this together and boom, boom, boom. And they just go to work and get things done. Other people wrote in with commentary. Uh, I'll read those as we go. Uh, if folks have commentary, because the first two people, they did ask uh, if listeners, if you have suggestions, uh, ideas about how to deal with these uh, situations uh, that were mentioned, uh, definitely dial in, share. If you have your own situation that you want to comment on, that's great as well. The number again, 641 715 Code. Five six four nine four three pound. Press star six if you would like to participate. Folks who dialed in uh, with a hand up, if you would like to comment on what you've heard or if you have your own incident you would like to discuss, lines should be open. Uh, feel free to chime in. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Uh, greetings to you, the hosts, the callers, and the listeners. I wanted to comment about um, the different jobs that I've worked um, when I was inside of buildings with white people. Um, a number of jobs that you work, you have to be inside of a building, and they always turn the temperature to something that you know will make black people um, even shiver. You'll get goosebumps, but you'll notice the white people, I don't think they have goosebumps, and they're not shivering anyway. And I was dating, um, a few years ago, I was dating a nurse, um, black lady, and she was telling me that, um, you know, she worked at night, and the temperature, the temperature would be real low, and she would, you know, be texting me from work and just telling me that, you know, it's so cold over there, and they won't allow her to put her jacket on. They won't allow her to keep her heater on because she, she brought a, a little space heater. You know, so they, they just they really want to make sure that um, black people are uncomfortable and they know about the exact temperature where you'll get goosebumps or they know the exact temperature you'll start shaking. They know the exact body weight that you'll be at and they know which genetics is going to be more um, susceptible to cold weather. And I, um, I just I think they do that in every building they have. And it seems like most every building, if it's not their living dwelling, then it's somebody's workplace. And they always keep the temperatures to something that black people have a difficult time um, operating at. And my, um, my girlfriend at the time, she would tell me um, she can't put her jacket on so her nipples would be exposed. And, you know, when it gets cold, um, it, there's, there's a change in, in that. And, um, and she was just saying it's, it's you know, it's a little embarrassing not being able to cover, you know, just because of the rules. Um, I was just mentioning that. I thought that was interesting. And um, and I noticed that white people can't, um, they, they can't be in the same type of temperature that we were in. So, like, if it was my work environment, my own job, I would raise the temperature to something that's comfortable to me. But I noticed white people get very hot very quickly in those environments. But that's all I wanted to mention. I, I do think that's workplace racism to intentionally keep the temperature lower than what we can tolerate. Thank you. Hmm. Now, that is interesting. I've heard that uh, talked about like recently, like this year, 2017. But it was not talked about talking about climates in, in uh, work environments. It was not talked about in the context of racism. It was talked about in the context of uh, the discomfort that white women face. Uh, on the job and saying that the temperature, the thermostat is normally set at something so that uh, white males who are wearing uh, thick suits so that they can be comfortable, particularly uh, in the summertime, uh, as opposed to white women who would be wearing something lighter, especially in the summertime, uh, where they'll be exactly what you said, shivering, freezing cold uh, and nobody care. And then, like you said, to even add on to have regulations where you're not allowed to have a space heater or uh, a jacket like that's a new one. I've never heard of. Uh, policy at a work environment where you can't have a jacket uh, on in a cold environment. Um, I don't know. I would have to at least ask about a sweater or uh, something. A sweater is not quite the same as a jacket. I, I don't think I've ever been in a work environment where you couldn't have something to keep your your body warm at some level. I don't. I don't know what 
what Harm a Jacket is doing. But, uh, yeah, I think that I think is absolutely true. I think racists do as much as they can uh, to make our work environments uncomfortable uh, so that, you know, we just cannot come in efficiently, do our job and have a pleasant day uh, <laughs> at work. That is that is not what they're trying to do at all. Has your wife been able to do anything to try or girlfriend? Has she been able to do anything to mitigate this or is she just having to to suffer through being cold? Well, this is um, a girlfriend I had a, a few years ago. And right. She was a nurse, um, but I, um, I said I don't think that she was able to, to change it because I, I thought it was ridiculous too that she couldn't wear a jacket. But I think it had something to do with the uniform, and that the people were just being particularly um, nasty towards her. But no, I don't know that she's done anything to mitigate that. Wow. Yeah, that's that is a brand new one. I've never heard of uh, racists being that brutal uh, in a workplace environment to just force people to be cold uh, while they're for whatever their shift is going to be. But if folks have uh, if other people have had to deal with that or have suggestions around that, uh, that would be great as well. Um, some of the uh, definitely appreciate appreciate you sharing. sir. if other people, uh, if you either have comments on what you've heard thus far, suggestions, uh, if you want to share your own situation, uh, line should be open. Feel free. Have you heard? Yes, sir. Awesome. Uh, this is uh, Ken Steele, and I'm uh, reporting in from Los Angeles proper. And um, I just want to say that um, to the previous caller, I can concur. Uh, um, I've been in work environments that have been deliberately um, uh, that have been deliberately conditioned to. Um, be at lower temperatures. I've heard managers uh, say that uh, there's a belief that people work more effectively uh, in colder temperatures and it keeps people awake as opposed to um, having uh, the temperature at a comfortable temperature where they believe that uh, workers will uh, tend to fall asleep or um, they'll be just uh, simply too comfortable. So I don't think it's uh, particularly cruel. I think it's just uh, status quo cruel. Um, I think that is just the type of logic that you can expect from anybody um, who's constructing these types of uh, um, uh, environments that just naturally pan out to um, be hellish. I think that they're designed to be as such. I've had managers complain to me that I am uh, too relaxed, um, that I am not stressed enough that I'm not worried enough um, on the job. So I, I do believe that they are deliberately designing these environments to be uncomfortable. Um, in fact, I think that's part of the uh, dress code. I think it's inbuilt into the dress code. It's something that I've reported on uh, previously. They um, oftentimes, uh, some of the dress codes that they have are just specifically designed to be uh, um, uncomfortable, um, and they they really don't want uh, workers to feel truly comfortable uh, as they are doing their jobs. Um, uh, one thing that I, I guess I wanted to uh, uh, add to this discussion, um, two concepts, I think they're legal concepts as they relate to um, workplace uh, racism, and I think uh, these concepts are called um, retaliation and constructive termination. So when it comes to uh, the concept that they call, it's a legal concept called constructive termination. And uh, the idea behind what is called constructive termination is that uh, an employer will make 
uh, workplace uh, so intolerable for a particular worker that they opt to terminate themselves, that that would be the only logical conclusion that any reasonable person in uh, that position would uh, um, come to. Um, with regard to their employment. So this is for at-will employment situations. Your employer is um, doing things to deliberately uh, make you uh, want to leave. Um, that, now that this doesn't include um, extra scrutiny or extra checking of your work, uh, it has to be um, it has to be something that they can uh, demonstrate as uh, particularly um, unprofessional. This is behavior that does not belong in the workplace. Uh, this can be in the form of yelling, um, profane language, um, uh, physical threats, anything basically that is behavior that you would deem inappropriate, you would find uh, to be offensive, that isn't in the realm of hey, we're, you know, checking your work or, hey, we, you know, want you to do extra work. Um, these aren't um, grounds for constructive termination. It's just that they are truly working to make your workplace um, intolerable to uh, what they call a reasonable person. Now, again, this is all up to the discretion of the person that's being affected um, by this behavior and it's, uh, and any officiating bodies that are determining that this uh, was the cause for termination, but this is um, counted under the grounds of wrongful termination. Um, and now retaliation. Now retaliation is, uh, I don't have the specific definition here, but the basic concept behind retaliation, the basic spirit of the concept is that if you are making complaints to your employer about conduct that is taking place on the job or about anything really if you make uh you know any sort of uh um inquiries to uh hr and they uh turn around and terminate you that can be grounds for a wrongful termination suit under the grounds of retaliation now uh one thing about retaliation that's important to note is that there is um what they call temporal stipulations uh, associated with um, wrongful termination, uh, uh, rather with uh, uh, retaliation. You can't say, for instance, you know, I reported this uh, incident XYZ is going on, and then uh, six months later, they terminate you. You can't say, see, this was termination or this was retaliation. Uh, there's just simply too much time. In fact, most jurisdictions that I've been informed um, place a restriction of, I believe it's uh, 30 days um, before they can go ahead and say um, this is retaliation. And then 90 days is the longest that they're going to look at it as some sort of, uh, as some sort of link. So, if you are in a situation where you are reporting your employer uh, for any sort of incorrect um, conduct and they terminate you, that is grounds for a wrongful termination to call under the, uh, under the concept of uh, retaliation. They are not allowed to fire you simply because 
taking complaints or asking questions on the job. Thank you. Appreciate that, Mr. Steele. Uh, definitely, uh, there's lots of information about that because that, at least the retaliation portion, that's something that you'll see white people speak about on a regular basis uh, and making sure that you're informed about that. I think one of the clips that I played a few weeks back where it was white women, uh, but they were talking about the same thing in terms of just being very informed uh, locally, looking at the laws and what have you about your rights as a worker in terms of retaliation. If you report, and it doesn't even have to be about racism. You can just make a report of wrongdoing. I think we've had some listeners before who reported just they were violating their own policy. Uh, with things that they were doing on the job and they spoke up and said something about it and they were fearful that whites were going to retaliate. I think we've had some listeners where that did happen, uh, where they retaliated against them again. It wasn't because they said something about racism. It was just because they said, hey, you know, this is the policy as it stated and we're not doing that. <laughs> you know, we should we should try and follow our own rules. Uh, so, yeah, I would I would encourage folks to be uh, very informed uh, about that. And even still within the system of racism, white supremacy, uh, expect any level uh, of tackiness and correct behavior from white folks. Uh, other folks that we've not heard from, if you have uh, commentary on the scenarios that have uh, been presented thus far, or if you have your own situation, feel free. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Retired Fire Friday in Florida. Good to hear from you. Greetings, everyone. Uh, uh, emphatically, yes. Uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to white people uh, turning down the temperature in your workplace, uh, fire department, you're there for 24 hours. Uh, it's even uh, a uh, sleeping quarters, and especially in that particular environment. Granted. That depends on what station you're at and, um, and also on what type of day you have and on whether or not you're going to be able to sleep anyway. But nevertheless, uh, there is a lot of places uh, that I've been to over the, over the 20 some odd years that I was on where the, the uh, sleeping quarters is like a meat locker. You could hang meat in a doggone place. It's so, it's so cold. Even during the, even during the winter, and it's deliberate. It's deliberate, and and, and white people, uh, due to, in my opinion, their nature, you know, they they are, you know, their history being, you know, in cave dwellers and whatnot. And I think genetically, I could be wrong, but I think genetically they're more conducive to colder temperatures. Anyway, they'll be laying up there in the bed with nothing but their underwear on, uh, with no sheet over them at all, uh. There is a remedy to that problem uh, that you would just have to be prepared by having uh, heavy blankets, you know, that sort of thing, uh, to uh, protect you from that that uh, uh, very, very cold uh, atmosphere. Uh, and it's done deliberate. It's done deliberate. They actually laugh about it. They actually laugh about it as far as what I've witnessed out of uh, white people primarily. And... Uh, the uh, out of uh, constructive name calling that white people do as far as deliberately, it is deliberate uh, of them shortening your name or, or saying something. You, you have to be, and I, I was listening to the earlier uh, readings, and uh, I think the, uh, the, the writer was, was correct if, if he went right away and basically uh, uh, corrected the uh, the person and, and basically, you know, 
and keep informing them uh, about uh, the only name that you would like to be called, be addressed as, uh, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, be courteous. But at the same time, you could be courteous and have a, a aura of firmness also at the same time. Uh, because they're always, like I think I heard you say, because they're always watching you. Uh, uh, non-white people, especially non-white black people, take that for granted. But white people are, uh, are, are very much paying attention to you uh, when you're not when you're not really aware of it. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, that's always essential to get those type of things uh, squared away. And uh, that's all I have for right now. I'll, I'll just uh, listen and and wherever I can uh, chime in, I, I will. Thank you. Indeed, indeed. A meat locker, he said, at the fire department. Wow. Like, uh, that is wacky. Uh, other uh, other folks that uh, are on the line have uh, suggestions, commentary, or if you just want to share uh, your own situation, uh, feel free. Line should be open if you have a hand up. Can I be heard? You're a little low, sir. If you could speak up, that would be grand. How about now? Give us another sentence. Let's see. Okay. Let's try that again. Is that better? Sounding good. All right. Good deal. All right. So um, it's uh, Mark in uh, North Carolina. Um, I just noticed, or oh, I had an observation uh, from team meetings that we have uh, at my um, current workplace. And the dynamic that I noticed is that usually the room is kind of divided. So you have the white people on one side, and then you have non-white people on the other side of the room. I don't know how that takes form. It just kind of happens. Uh, but what I noticed is that in the conversations uh, for any uh, issue that we're bringing up or what have you, uh, it seems as if the white people automatically assume the position of being the expert. Uh, and that's regardless of how knowledgeable they are or how effective they are in terms of their performance. Uh, initially, when I was a little bit more confused about the system, racism, white supremacy, I would make an effort to... Um, to try and kind of show how much I knew about whatever the subject matter was that they were talking about uh, because I didn't want to accept the ignorant black person uh, concept. Um, so I noticed that typically that would lead to a lot of wasted time and energy and even frustration, and that's whether I was, you know, knowledgeable about the concept or if I had to uh, just kind of default and admit that I didn't know as much as I thought I did. Um, so what I did uh, going forward was I made uh, efforts to exercise silence. So I just kind of let the meeting go. And if I have something to interject, I'll put it in question form uh, and avoid making statements. Uh, another thing that I noticed is that in making statements, I see like a, a lot of the non-white people, they may make a statement, and it could be perceived as a complaint or a grievance. And when they do that, the, the white people may have been thinking this the whole time, but they would just kind of use terms like, you know, uh, just to piggyback off of what so-and-so said, you know, and it would still kind of be that the, the non-white person who made the statement would be the focal point still. Um, the uh, other thing that I wanted to mention is that um, I noticed how the white people who are in, I guess, senior roles, quote-unquote, or leadership roles, uh, they would talk to the non-white people in a, in a using a doubtful tone of speech, if that makes sense. Um, it could be just in the intonation. They come across as if they're not confident to the person about the person. Um, and I think that um, 
if a non-white person internalizes that, then they could kind of be doubtful of themselves. And um, I think that that's a standard operating procedure uh, for white people that I've seen in the workplace. Um, thank you for letting me share. I would agree. I would agree in terms of the tone, the way that white people, in general, I think, (laughs) even uh, extends beyond the workplace. But certainly in the workplace, I've seen that seen and heard uh, that same sort of tone that you uh, that you're talking about, sir. Um, Other people uh, who uh, dialed in, if you have a hand up, if you have commentary that you would like to share, people that we have not heard from, uh, if you dialed in, if you have a hand up, if you either have uh, suggestions, comments on what you've heard from folks thus far, if you have your own situation that you want to uh, address, feel free. Hello? Uh, Can I be heard? I heard both of you. Uh, We'll nab our female caller first. Okay, hi. It's Rochelle from Florida. Um, Just in terms of always being watched, I wanted to just comment on anyone who works primarily with like technology. If you work any job where you're always on a laptop or anything like that, um, people may already be aware, but tech people are administrators with, you know, access to tech people can remote in. So just, you know, always treating it like a tool of the workplace and not ever personalizing it. Um, If you're allowed to take your, devices home, whether it be laptops or mobile devices, not ever getting so comfortable where you have it on your own Wi-Fi or you're going on your own personal email or personal sites because um, you can, people can remote in, meaning they can access what you're accessing. They can look at what you're seeing um, remotely, whether they're near you or far away or whatever the case may be. So just keeping that in mind and also with all of the devices having um, camera capabilities, um, just being aware that people can utilize those uh, parts of the equipment to view and listen in. And even some of the uh, smart televisions, um, there was recently something um, about, I believe specifically Samsung smart televisions where you know, it was brought to the fore that those televisions in particular have had um, access or or rather have been utilized where the audio and other things could be seen on the other end. So just just being aware always when you're working with devices as well that those are tools that can be utilized to intrude and they, they can be used, you know, against you if you're not very careful. And that was it at this time. Amen. Uh, say it. <laughs> I almost want to say say it three, four, twenty times. Uh, that cannot be overemphasized with all the new technology and stuff, and a lot of jobs that they give you. Uh, they might give you, you know, a phone or a tablet or a computer or all of the above. Uh, though the same thing I said before with those possessive adjectives. This is not my desk this is not my office this is not my job this is not my mobile device computer whatever it is absolutely uh if you think white people are under surveillance just watching you buddy uh wait till the it racists uh, get involved and start going through your browser history and every man uh all of that stuff just you should be thinking if this is their computer their device or what have you i'm gonna treat it as such and not access any of my personal 
you know, whatever it is. I think that's a great advice, not even uh, checking your email or anything, uh, because whites are super, super nosy and the technology is just advancing at a uh, mind boggling clip. So I think that's excellent, excellent suggestions, ma'am. Uh, the mail caller that spoke up simultaneously, uh, were you going to comment also, sir? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, first time caller, my name is D and I'm calling from upstate New York area. I just wanted to uh, chime in on the weather conditions and the office that I work in. It's like kind of extremely cold. I tried to come in with a hat and they forbid me from wearing that right there. I mean, like it's so cold in there that you could basically catch a cold. And I think I have a couple of different occasions. And also with the recording devices, uh, I have one other non-white co-worker at my job. And we speak from time to time. I try to stay coded and not speak on racism, white supremacy, but it just comes up from time to time. And the other day he mentioned that we might be recorded. And I kind of noticed that a lot of the white coworkers or whatever, like they look at me kind of differently now. So I don't know if they recorded us or they listened to our conversations or whatnot, but it is what it is. But yeah, I just wanted to chime on, on that and I'll probably have a little bit more to add on later. Thank you. Appreciate that. I'm not surprised if if you made that sort of comment that, you know, hey, uh, they could be recording us and then maybe they were and white people heard you say it and now they're looking at it. It wouldn't surprise me just. And this is not playing to paranoia. It's just because my experience has been uh, racist when they notice like, oh, this is one of the niggers who's a little less confused. That sticks out like they will pay attention. Like, you got to watch this one. That boy right there. Mm, he even knew that we we're spying on him. Got to watch him. Got to be careful around him so that it could be exactly that. Maybe it's not. Maybe they didn't see anything. Maybe they're just, you know, doing what racists do. Uh, the tip since, you know, since you all have kept talking about it, that temperature thing. Uh, I worked when I lived in California, I worked in the Oakland uh, school system and they had mostly black children. And most of the staff were white. I was one of the few. Uh, black people there, and particularly black males. Uh, they did not have very many at all, even though they had a ton of uh, black male uh, students in the classroom. But um, they had terrible uh, heating. They didn't have air conditioning in the classroom at all, which is not you know totally uncommon for this part of California because it's not Southern California. But uh, it was just terrible uh, temperature in the building. And so uh, in the wintertime, now this is California, so I mean, it's not arctic cold but still you know it's cold <laughs> like it will be uh in the 50s uh and this is bay area california so there it might even creep down to the you know upper 40s uh it would be cold enough that it would be chilly if you had heat in your in the in the room you would turn it on uh frequently we weren't able to turn it on so i remember us being in there shivering like i literally remember uh taking like my jacket uh wearing the children's jacket one day because it was so cold and they changed the rules. I used to wear my uh, I had like a winter hat on my head because my ears would get cold. They changed the policy so that you couldn't wear hats in the building. That was part of why I wore a hat, because they had terrible heating. 
on the building. I don't know if they were doing it deliberate. I was super confused about racism. I don't know if it was a building wide thing uh, or they were just cheap. I remember at the time just thinking that, you know, it was cheap. They just didn't have great budget or whatever the case is. But maybe it was being done deliberately uh, to keep the children and, you know, staff uh, cold. But I do remember that now that you all have brought it up. Uh, do we have other folks uh, who chimed in who had uh, commentary, questions, uh, incidents they wanted to share? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Uh, yes, thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, one one thing I wanted to start out with uh, was, like I think you have mentioned this uh, maybe a couple years back or a little while back about how, about how white, white, white people will uh, talk about different types of subjects or show that they have extensive knowledge about numerous topics, maybe car mechanics or um, raises or finances. But when it comes to racism, they'll uh, pretend like they don't know anything or they'll say, oh, wow, I, I don't really... I, don't, I didn't really know that that was happening and, and try and flip it back on you. Like, what well, can I get your view? Uh, I start out with that to say that I know that in the news, there's been a lot of discussion about all of the Confederate monuments down here in the South or whatever. And I think there's still maybe three or four throughout Florida, but uh, downtown they have been, uh, pretty much still arguing about where to relocate the statue. And I think it was maybe Wednesday. Yeah, yesterday they had this uh, protest and a, a counter protest with law enforcement present. And like, it was just somewhere overwhelming because I like, well, a part of me knew that it would come about again, but it seemed like it was a high presence of confusion because uh, when I drove when I drove by there after work, uh, there were a bunch of different flags. A couple of them I had never even seen before, and then there was like I seen the rainbow flags over there, and there were people who. I guess were in support of the Confederate uh, monument about maybe about six white men. They were standing there and, you know, it was calling each other names, a bunch of tackiness, so a bunch of uh, high energetic emotion. And one lady had a sign says in white supremacy. And, um, but it's interesting because, I didn't really see too many non-white people. I seen some of them, but the reporter for uh, our local news station, she was going up talking to the people, and, and the guy says, oh, well, you know, we're here because this is a a, uh, a U.S. veteran or something like that. That's the term he used. He didn't say uh, the Confederacy. So I think he, he was using some codification. But, you know, they was courteous to the uh, non-white reporter. But, yeah, they were pretty much calling each other names and stuff. So that was a a protest about the Confederate statue in front of my uh, workplace. The next uh, incident was 
the uh, there's a black female who has been uh, undergoing a lot of relocating as far as the workstations, and it's not just her this time. It was uh, whole departments being switched around, going to different areas. So she mentioned that she didn't want to have, she didn't want to sit in a desk where she would have her back turned. You know, that's the term she used from what she was telling me. So she got moved to another area. She went and told a, uh, a powerful, you know, a request to a powerful white person that she would like to sit in another area. And that was an area where another black female was being moved. And um, so the reason I bring this up was she was saying that how she <laughs> she told me that uh, she... I'm not sure if she called both of these people racist. Um, it's two white people. Uh, I, w- I would say powerful white people. And she said their responses were, <laughs> she said their responses were like they agreed with her. But see, I didn't, I didn't get everything verbatim what they said in her response. But she mentioned to me that she either accused them or she called them racist, both of them. So, and these are younger, um, you know, newer white people at, at the office. So, I, you know, I found that to be very interesting, you know, so she didn't necessarily say what their responses were. So uh, they've been very quiet when she's been bringing up the race issue. So she's been a uh, very bold to say the least, and um, that's that's all I have to say right now. Thanks. Wow, not the young white people at the office uh, being accused of being racist. Wow, who could uh, who could even imagine such a thing? Um, that is uh, that moving that uh, maybe it would have been good to get her code on uh, exactly what she said to uh, get her seat moved. I think that came up last. I know it's came up come up uh, more than that on the program, but I think someone last week was just talking about that, being able to uh, get moved either to a different location in the building or whatever it is and, and what the, what the code is uh, so that you can, you know, get that, get that process moved along. Uh, those Confederate things. I just heard somebody saying that today, uh, suggesting that white people are ignorant. I don't know if that pops up in, in the work context or if that is a discussion. I know there has been so much about the monuments coming down in Florida and different places. I don't know if that is something that's coming up, uh, at, at work. Uh, I know in Virginia, they had whites, uh, carrying torches, uh, at night <laughs> to protest the, uh, removal of the monuments. So I don't know if that's a dialogue that's coming up at work. I'd say the same thing that I say for, you know, everything else. I would not share an opinion on it. I would just, you know, if they, if whites want to volunteer their frustrations or thoughts on the matter, great. Let's hear what you have to say, but I would not, uh, share a thought uh what have you would just be something interesting that i observed uh if that did come up while i was while i was at work with whites or even non-white people uh did other folks who dialed in uh have commentary they want to share either about what you've heard thus far or if you have your own situation that you want to uh, address if you have a hand up uh line should be open may i have you heard yes ma'am hello um this is red from ohio only have a few observations uh this week, and I did want to say, uh, 
first, oh, hello to everyone. Um, first, I, I did want to say I have used uh, some of the advice from, I think, either last week or the week before as far as just like they're um, calling you by a different name, not to just respond at, you know, every single time because I'm kind of dealing with that now. It's kind of like a term of endearment that I'm being called, and I don't like it, but I feel like it's I'm trying to figure out the best time and the best method to um, kind of get that to stop. It's not something that's necessarily derogatory, but I feel like since life art can be deceptive, who knows why I'm being called this. Um, a few observations. We recently had a meeting at my job, and um, one of the superiors, a uh, white person, a white man, he, in the meeting, he used the term white space, which I've never heard of, and he actually defined it. Because in the meeting, it was, I would say, about 50 to 60% uh, non-white, and then the rest would be white. But it was, he was referring to it as a, uh, uh, basically a pool of potential clientele, and in, in the positive light, because I couldn't understand, like, why you would use, how this term even came to be. So, basically, if they wanted to get different types of clients or different um, different clients, period, these are the good clients that we would try to pull from. That's how I took it, and he, and he did kind of use words like that um, to describe that term. There was also a video shown, and um, just to show how um, different technologies, like, uh, are enhancing the industry, I guess, and there was this um, video where this black man was using, like, Siri, and he was using it to pay a bill, and the bill, he was highly melanated, and the bill was... They gave him the balance because he asked for the balance, and then they said, "Do you want to make a minimum payment or a or the full balance?" And he went ahead and made the minimum payment, which I thought was kind of. I feel like it could have been subliminal, as if you know, just a a, a way to kind of strike at blacks. Like you know, they're always barely scraping by; they're always only paying the minimum. Uh, the last thing was that the 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 manager, the, the leader of the meeting, this white man, he had referred to this black male that was in this little video as, you know, he was really smooth when he was talking to Siri, and he's like the Luther Vandross of, I don't know, just communicating with this machine. It's kind of making me think about a black mirror uh, now that I come to think about it. But I guess that, that's all I had. Thank you for letting me share. Hmm. How tacky. Always got to slip the tackiness uh, in the late Luther Vandros. Um, with the name thing, that was where you started. I, I think just uh, just saying it, like if you said it, they weren't calling you something that was necessarily derogatory, but it was just, it was a name that you didn't want to be called. It's not, not what's on your, your driver's license, not what you want to be called. Um, like, I think we talked about that before. I'm just a big advocate. You can be courteous. It doesn't have to be a, you know, a big stand or anything. But just, you know, I'd appreciate it if you all could just call me, you know, my name. Uh, I'm just not a fan of, of nicknames. People always uh, give them to me. 
no offense, just I'd appreciate it if you call me by my name. Uh, I think, and every time, that's the that's the thing. I think if you're just consistent about it, where they do it every time, and you don't give them a pass, you can do it with a smile or whatever your personality is. But every time, uh, and if you're consistent with it, generally it's been my experience they will go ahead and comply if they see you're serious with it. And I just want to be called by my name. Folks will generally comply in a work setting. Um, yeah, and with the rest of it, yeah, that's just why it's being tacky uh, all the way. Uh, the uh, the situation, the black person paying the minimum and all, Luther Vandross, that's just to be expected racist behavior. Uh, did other folks, did anyone have uh, suggestions uh, for any of the callers that we've heard from, different situations that they're dealing with, uh, if you have your own situation? Uh, in fact, I forgot that I had people who wrote in. Let me make sure I'm knocking these down as we go as well. Uh, this black female wrote in. She said, I've been listening to the, the archives of the Cows broadcast for a few months. Uh, my attempted spouse has been a faithful listener of your programs, as well as Mr. Fuller's compensatory concept for years. I've been learning several new and constructive concepts that have been beneficial in helping me to better recognize, understand, and combat racism, white supremacy. Currently, I work in a long-term rehabilitation and nursing facility. Racism is very much alive and thriving in my workplace. Just yesterday, I heard a conversation between a coworker of mine and a non-white patient that resides in the facility. The coworker is a 27 year old white female who holds a doctorate in physical therapy. The coworker asked the non-white patient, what was the first thing she was going to do when she got home? The patient replied, I'm going to cook for my husband. The racist white coworker then proceeded to ask, what are you going to cook? Chitlins, uh, pig intestines, for people who don't know this is, uh, slave vittles uh the way some folks refer to them i found that very tacky and trashy but not surprising coming from an individual that practices racism professionally on the job a couple of weeks prior i was walking down one of the corridors in the facility an elderly white woman called out to me as i was passing by hello weasel i turned around and i politely told her i was not a weasel then i asked her if she was the mother of weasels she looked at me for a couple of seconds then burst out laughing and replied that was a good one i kept it moving feeling justified in my moment of black self-respect there we go <laughs> uh and the naming of black people coming up again and again uh why just suggest every time exactly what she stated there black self-respect every time uh i would appreciate it if you would call me by my name whatever that is just call me by my name. Thank you kindly. Not any, you know, little nicknames, weasel, all of that. And it's always something tacky. Uh, that's always where we're going. I'm not a weasel. I'm not a rodent, some non-human entity. Uh, it's always headed uh, in that direction. That even reminds me in the South uh, during the so-called civil rights movement. They had a uh, they had one of the whites in Alabama. He was talking about the NAACP. He said it's niggers, apes, alligators, coons, and possums. It's always something like that headed in that direction in terms of how they think about, talk about black people. Uh, and the chitlins as well. <laughs> Remember that when Mr. Steele, he's with us today. When the food thing, I said that racist, they can find a way, even when it gets to food, to come back and be racist on the job uh, it's going to be lurking in any conversation now uh, for other folks who dialed in if you have uh, commentary any of the folks that we have not heard from uh, if you have commentary question suggestion line should be open feel free can i be heard oh young uh, lady can go ahead yeah. all right on all right thank you uh, i'll make it quick um what you were talking about earlier about like white people sneaking up on black people 
uh, it's this white girl at my job, the one I was telling you guys about how she just always wants to hug me and stuff like that. Uh, well, you know, she like lately she's been like sneaking up on me in the store and like pretending, quote unquote, to uh, like punch me in the throat or kick me in the leg. And she goes, hiya, hiya, ha, 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 it's so funny, I'm a ninja. And I just kind of look at her and walk away. But um, lately, well, not lately, it was a... Uh, Two three days ago, her um, her fiance, which is another uh, white woman, walked came to uh, bring her some something to eat, and she asked if she could go eat with her. And I, I was like, okay, whatever, I don't care. And um, her fiance, uh, she says, "Yo, what's up, man? How you doing? Yo, yo." And I looked at her in her face and I said, "I do speak English." And um, she just got red in the face, and she walked away from me. And that's it. That's all I wanted to share. The patterns, we talked about that uh, last week. Uh, and I bring that up. I say again, I'm, I point that out just to say this, to me, evidences that whites, they're not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. And further, it just shows they do a lot of the same things. We just talked about that last week. In fact, that was the uh, the opening intro for the workplace racism program last week was how whites, they will wait until the black employee one or two that they have allowed to work to come in. And now it's, Oh, what's up my dog. You chill it. <laughs> like we just talked about that last week, uh, consistently, uh, where they will engage in all of these tacky, uh, racist behaviors. That's why I hope a big part of this is not being surprised. We can help us kind of, uh, watch our blood pressure, uh, so that we're not getting stressed out. We're not getting upset. We're not caught off guard. This is, Oh yeah, this is, what I say last week, dogs bark, birds chirp, white people practice racism and do it tacky all the way. Uh, so just I think that that can go a long way uh, to helping us and how we respond and to help kind of safeguard our uh, black mental health, uh, in my opinion, as we as we deal with these insults and, and racist behavior on a regular basis and recognizing it as racist behavior. I hope that that helps as well. Accurately recognizing what you're looking at and what's happening to us. Uh, the uh, the male caller who spoke up simultaneously. Uh, were you you going to comment as well? <clears throat> yep. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Oh, cool, cool. Good evening. Twenty one two from VA. Uh, I'm on the road, so if you can't hear me. I'll speak up. Um, Forty Spanker. Uh, I taught a credit class today. Um, three non-white people were there. Uh, went really well, uh, connected with a non-white female, black female, uh, that was actually from New York, had a good conversation, uh, talked a little bit about real estate development and, uh, different things. So it was a really good constructive conversation. She seemed like she was a lot less confused. She even introduced me to a local, uh, black, uh, real estate organization that I had no idea existed in the area that we are in. Uh, which was very surprising because she didn't know about it either. But um, I was glad that we actually connected. Um, last thing is that I'll share is that this week um, uh, I've had maybe I had maybe like eight or nine clients that all had major credit issues. And for anybody just give them a little background, you know, I do loans, I do mortgages for people, uh, I do credit repair, and I help. Um, but that's, you know, I do it on the side. I, you know, we don't charge anybody, but you give out advice. And it was, um, it's just been victim after victim after victim 
having major credit issues and things of that nature, and I'm just going to reveal a little bit of honesty. I'd say maybe after the sixth person called me, uh, and they had um, unfortunate credit circumstances, some anti-blackness did kick in. And I said, man, if I don't, what is going on? And then I stopped. Because I said, the only reason why these victims are in this situation is because racist man, racist woman have created these circumstances to where we try to keep up with them. We're in bad neighborhoods. We don't have the same access. We have to borrow money. And so it's just always good to, to, to be honest with yourself. And I did have a moment of anti-blackness. It went away. I was able to help the victims continue to move forward. And I just want to share that because sometimes I do realize, specifically um, when I was listening to Pam last night, that when you are dealing with a lot of victims and a lot of uh, dysfunction, uh, and specifically if sometimes your job is predicated on helping victims, sometimes it can get frustrated. But, you know, as Mr. Fuller says, you know, justice is, you know, the people who need the most help get the most help. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, unfortunately because of racism, um, black people need the most help. So just do your best to try to help as many victims as possible and, and put them in better situation. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. Amen. I so appreciate that. I think uh, Pam would appreciate that, too. She was with us yesterday. Shout to uh, to Pam. Uh, I appreciate that because I think that uh, just being honest, you know, with our situation uh, where we forget how black people ended up in the pitiful condition that we're in. A lot of black people do have bad credit, but white people are most to blame for all that, particularly when you start to get down into the details uh, about how they go hunting for black people for those type of things to ruin us financially with all their different schemes and what have you like, Oh man, uh, it is, it is amazing. Uh, but yeah, that is so important. And I think whites, they get away with that. Uh, us getting frustrated with other black people and not being patient with other black people and, you know, kind of, everything about this environment is engineered uh, for us to have that sort of response. So definitely if you uh, work in some sort of field where you're going to be working with black customers, black patrons and what have you, that is definitely one thing that you can do. And I think we've had people who've uh, commented on this before where they say, Hey, I, I try as best I can <laughs> from the weak position that I'm in as a victim of racism uh, to make sure that, you know, in the capacity that I can, I help black people out as much as I can. I'm as courteous with them as I can possibly be uh, in the work environment and, and just make sure that I'm monitoring my, my anti-blackness uh, in that environment. I think that's super important. And all of us just just recognizing that because we've all been contaminated. Uh, other folks who uh, dialed in who have a hand up, if we have not heard from you and you have a commentary you want to share, line should be open. Feel free. Hello? Yes, sir. Hey, how are you? This is, uh, my name is Keith. Um, I'm in New York. Uh, this week, I chose to, to focus on non-white people when looking at racism. I think generally, I, I keep hearing most people focus on white people, but uh, I heard, brother, he's been on your show before, Mawalu Baruti, I think his name is. I think that's how you pronounce it, if I'm not mistaken. And he, he was talking about something called a zero-sum game, and Basically, he just said that, you know, white people, being that they're from a cold environment, they're used to war, and they can function in a warlike state. And I noticed that they always have the non-white people on edge, and like with the jitters. And, and it's like they come through with this, like, uh, with their energy, and then by the time they leave, 
everybody is uh, stressed out. So I decided to focus on the non-white people and see how they were reacting. And I just noticed that most of the non-white people being real silly, always laughing a lot, always joking and playing, never talking about anything serious, and eavesdropping on white people's conversations, and white people always being serious. I mean, they were talking about how the boss is going to change our lunch break and different things. And I was wondering, you know, they didn't send out a memo about it. So I'm like, how does this, this white guy know that the owner of the company is planning on making some changes? And I would think that white people have a network and it goes straight from the top to the lowest white person in the company. And, uh, you know, focusing on the non-white people and noticing how silly they are, it just helped me to, to, uh, to try to be as serious as possible. My day-to-day has been pretty easy recently because I'm working with a non-white male who's, uh, he's Puerto Rican, but I wouldn't, I don't know if I would technically consider him black, even though he is dark-skinned. I would say he's a black Puerto Rican, but I don't know if that's how he considers himself. He is, uh, uh less codified. And, um, but I work with him and then our foreman is, is black. And then there's another non-white male. And then there's the two white foremans on the job site. So, I mean, they're at the top because no white supremacy, but it just makes it easy. And I always try to go out of my way to make sure that I'm doing the correct things so that the black foreman, I always tell him like, if you need anything, let me know. Anything you need, let me know. So he's always like, he seems to be, he seems to be, uh, under less stress being that we're completing our task. And he's able to, to take a step back and relax a little bit. But, I mean, they stressed him out. He already quit twice. And when he quit, they told him he was sensitive. Instead of uh, helping him out, they told him that, oh, the guys don't respect you. You're being sensitive. So I just knew. I was like, you know what? They they intend to put you in a stressful environment. So you want to quit. You know, but I've taken the position. I don't care. If they want to fire me, go ahead. I'll just go to another company. And, you know, being as I'm in a union, they got like 70 companies. If I could make one company a year for the next 20 years, <laughs> I think I, I think that I'll maintain, you know, I think I'd be all right. So, and then plus side work. So, you know, I don't really, I, I'm not really looking at dedicating myself to one company in particular, but I mean, you know, that's, that's my position on it at this particular, on this particular day. Uh, that's it for now. context of white supremacy fascinating um sensitive that is a common one where black people we're just sensitive uh if racism white supremacy is uh an issue we're being terrorized and you know we make a report hey i'm, I'm being abused here i'm being ter- oh you're my god you're so you're so sensitive do you do that oh, that's why i encourage people to not say black people cried racism because it's in the same vein they're just treating you like you're some little child and you know your feelings just get hurt if we you know should tell a nigger joke or anything like that and you're just so sensitive you're just like a little child it's the same same mentality same racist uh thought process but yeah i'm not not surprised about that at all um yeah in terms of what we what we deal with uh in the work environment um did other folks i guess either have suggestions 
comments uh, on what we've heard thus far. We did have some people who asked for suggestions on how to deal with some of the different scenarios that we're going through. And, and we had people who wrote in as well. Anybody that we missed, anybody who has a hand up that we've uh, not heard from at all. Can I be heard? I think we have Emmy. Yes, ma'am. Greetings. Um, I have two sort of vignettes or stories that I want to share. Um, the, the first is uh, I uh, work as a concierge in a residential property in the DMV area, the Sedidi part of the DMV area. I do the overnight. And there's a particular uh, racist who works there, or he doesn't work there, he lives there. And he and I have had uh, a couple of interactions. Um, and I think we established that uh, I'm not the one. Now, most it's a 24-hour position, so I'm not the only one that works there. So there's other non-white, specifically black females, um, who work other shifts. And so um, when I relieve one, they'll tell me a story about this guy. And then when the other one relieves me, they'll tell me a whole nother story. And so I try to tell these women to, um, you know, I try to give them some of the things that we talk about here on the cows or some strategies that I have employed with this particular racist that have worked for me. Um, and that's pretty much being extremely, because he's so aggressive. Um, he is not a like so-called friendly white person whatsoever. I took the stance that he's not to be played with. Um, he's extremely volatile and I think he's just extremely reactive. And given that I work there in the overnights on the weekends, it's not like I have the property management office open to be of any assistance. Hours go by before anyone's actually walking through the lobby. So that leaves a lot of time where I'm by myself and I don't really uh, have any backup, so to speak. So uh, last weekend, one of the ladies told me that um, he threatened to kill one of these so-called, he called them like dirt bags or Mexican scumbags or something like that that work in the restaurant next door. And he was like, you can quote me. So that's like in our official logs. And then he threatened to kill a female in the parking garage who was walking with her older father. Like, he, you know, parking garages, they have those really tight turns so you know you can't always see somebody but he was speeding so he got upset and said that so that's like in a log and all property management said is like next time it happens uh call the police well um i've already resigned in myself i'm also the one that had to deal with when i worked uh during the day at a commercial property as a corporate concierge or whatever um with the touching so um i feel like i have had it uh i've had enough trauma at this point. Um, I've experienced enough at this point that um, I'm able to see a little bit further ahead and I'm prepared to uh, take certain measures or actions. Um, and I've already kind of thought it, thought it through by chess. So my new uh, way of being with him, um, he only has one time to approach me in any kind of threatening way or I'm just going to mace him. Like, that's it. Uh, if he comes, I mean, at, at any point, like, he can ask me questions, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be trigger happy on my base or anything. Like, he can't ask me to let him into his apartment or ask me to give him his packages or whatever. But should he say anything about killing or, like, slam his hand on the desk or make, it, make me feel any way threatened, I'm going to just mace him. I'm going to make the log. 
Uh, I'm going to be recording. I don't have the fancy recorder that I can like, clip on me or anything, but I do have one of those note recorders, like a, a standard lecture note recorders. Um, brand new batteries in it. Memory is clear. I'm just going to start recording from the, mem- the minute I get in, just in case I don't have enough time. Like, I'm really quick with my phone. You know, I have the little, like, scan reader or whatever, and I can, boop, hit the voice joint, but I don't really know if I have the time in the future. So I'm just going to start recording the whole thing. If nothing happens, I'll just wipe it, get new batteries, like, do whatever until I can get one of the fancier pen ones that I can clip on me or something like that. But I'm going to work with what I got. And he has one time. Now, I've already thought it through. So, like, if I'm unable to keep my job, so be it. You know what I'm saying? But I've already, like... It's, I don't want to continue to feel the way that I'm feeling when he walks past the desk, and I'm not going to allow anybody to make me feel that level of threat. Like, I don't think that it, and property management has already um, made it clear that they are not going to be proactive in the situation on my behalf. I don't have enough time to call 911, and I'm not dealing with all that. I'll call 911 once I made some, and we'll just go ahead and have that thing play out, and it'll just be done. I got two things in Mace. Keep them with me. Um, and so that's one. And I've thought about it. And the more I think about it, that's just what it is. I don't, I don't think that I should have to, um, be in an environment where it's acceptable for anybody, um, to be threatening people's lives. And this just, and all I'm supposed to do is write notes. Mind you, I'm there from 11 PM to 7 AM, just me. So all I need for him is come in drunk or whatever, try to put hands on me, what I'm supposed to do, fight with him or call the police and be like, oh, this happened and file a report. I'm not doing all that. I'm not doing like my, I'm trying to go ahead and protect myself as best as possible. So um, just wanted to let you all know that. Um, I'm also the uh, female who dropped down to this position so she could go to school. So the other workplace environment that I consider is school. Um, And so I'm in summer session now. This is the first week of summer session. And I've also been practicing diligently a couple of things. Um, The first original one was constant eye contact, maintaining very uh, open, like I'm just observant, um, but intense eye contact and not backing down. So I sit through if I start shaking or if I feel uncomfortable, like I will sit through that. And over time, I was able to become better at doing um and i because because i believe in the power of nonverbal communication and i think that that's a little bit i think i can say more in my nonverbals than i can if i talk a whole lot so that's just a personal thing that i've done but it's worked for me um the other thing i've been practicing is uh like not smiling um i was raised a completely different way um i kind of like in a perfect world would love to be a very bubbly person and just be like just a bubbly, happy person. I would. Um, But my experience has shown me that that's not effective. Um, And even though it might get me into some doors later on when I get tired, because when you do do that, it will let you in. You know, white people like, oh, the happy, smiley Negro. But what happens is you get tired after a while and then you become regular and then they don't like that. And so the problem is, is you've already set up this kind of tone where they expect you to be that Negro for them. And when you can't do it anymore, we have an issue. So my thing is to just stop doing it all together. so I don't smile a whole lot. And I don't like, you know, even if we make eye contact, I won't smile. If you are non-white, specifically black, I'll smile. But otherwise, I'm not smiling. Um, and I don't talk. Um, I make it a point not to be like extra in the communication part about things that are unimportant, especially in school or at my job. So um, class started, you know, everyone's talking and trying to make friendly. 
I don't feel like doing it. I just told you all some codes that I've been practicing that have been working for me. So I continue to try to make them more of a habit and to come naturally. And they are coming naturally so much so that I'm not really paying attention to having to put a lot of effort getting to the point. So I get in a class, sit down, we're doing everything. And then I just start asking questions because we're going over the syllabus. I need to go ahead and understand this, you know, whatever. Um, of course, it's a white female teacher. And this is for like bio. So from, you know, it's, hey, my name is such and such. This year, this is what I'm doing. All right, cool. And keep it moving. No, like, hey. And that's another thing. I also practice um, changing the tone of my voice so that I can talk at this register that you all are hopefully hearing and it's not coming off some other type of way instead of, hey, like, yeah, like, I'm totally, like, trying to, you know, do this thing and it's so nice to meet you all. I'm like, no, because that creates a whole other image. So we've gone through. My whole thing is I'm not naturally inclined in math and sciences, so I have to pay a lot of attention and I put forth that energy. So I ask questions. Because this is an accelerated course, a lot of information is given in a short amount of time. So if you say something and, you know, you got all these terms being thrown at you, I may not know these terms or it's the first time I'm really hearing them. So I've asked, I'll ask questions. And this has happened to me in other classes that I've mentioned before, that the fact that I'm asking questions, students who are, this is a primarily white institution, get all shifty in their seat and start huffing and puffing and coughing and whatever, whatnot. I don't care because I pay tuition. This is what it is. I want the information. This particular class is no different. So I don't really, the class is so small, I'm not going to raise my hand, wait for permission and all this other kind of stuff. I'm just going to ask the question before you move before I head. Could you repeat that? I'm not understanding. So anyway, the professor today asked the question, women will probably know about this a little bit more, men will probably too, but maybe the women will get a little bit more. She slow blinked me, y'all. She literally, like I sit in the front of the class, she slow blinked me twice. And I was like, okay. <laughs> We're going to get to, you know, we're not going to get to know each other, but that's not like going to affect me. So my counteracial strategy for that, so I'm going to ask even more questions because I don't care if you're annoyed with me asking questions or not. I pay you. Like, let's get this whole thing straight. That's what me paying tuition is. You don't pay me. This isn't a job that like you hired me to do. And it's like, oh, you need to do this. And that's No, I pay you. So you're going to answer all of my questions. I don't care how many times you have to repeat it. And that's just what it's going to be. And I resigned on that today because I'm not, like like I said, nonverbal communication is far more important to me than verbal communication. So she looked like she wanted to be annoyed because I was asking her questions. I don't care. That's your job. And so part of it, I think, is so interesting because, you know, this isn't like high school or middle school or whatever. You know, these are people like if you're in this level of biology, you're talking about being some type of medical person or researcher or whatever like that. So it's very imperative that you understand these functionings and stuff like that. And it shouldn't be some type of uh, issue with me asking a question. Furthermore, when she asks questions, I'm the only one who answers. And to top it all off, I do well in class. Not to boast, but I do well in class. So what I resign in is because instead of trying to take that nonverbal communication to make it feel like something's wrong with me because I'm asking questions that, oh, I must be dense. I'm not dense, stupid, dumb at all. All I'm doing is asking questions getting the responses, learning the information. And the great thing about math and science is there's a right answer and there's a wrong answer. If I get the right answer, you give me the grade despite whether or not you like me. Moving on. And this will be the last one. So in that class, so she got, I live an hour away from where I go to school. I live an hour in the opposite direction of where I go to work. I work. I try very hard to make sure I'm on time. Sometimes I'm not. Whatever. Again, I pay for school. Work pays me, I pay for school. So if I'm a couple minutes late, don't take it personal, but she tried to make it seem like that. And I hate when white people do that. They make it seem like if you're a human and you have like human fault or not everything is perfect about you, oh, it's like you're just a bad person. And, you know, this is attributable to all blacks. So 
I was a little bit late the first day, but we actually have this white guy who I didn't even know, but he missed the entire day of class. So when you miss an entire day of class, you're responsible for getting a notion from somebody. So we went on a break. He was outside smoking a cigarette. I went outside to get on the phone. I was getting on the phone. He asked me, oh, were you here on the first day? And I pointed to the phone because I knew exactly what he was about to try to do since I asked the most questions and answered the most questions. He thought he was going to get my notes. Uh-uh, boo, nipped that in the bud, kept it moving. He never got my notes. Coming today, gets to find out the other black female, the only other black female, he got her notes. Why did you only ask black females for their notes? Why not ask the other, you know, 95% of the students in the class who are white for their notes? So for the simple fact that whites know exactly what they're doing when they're doing it. Whites feel very comfortable to uh, take from blacks, um, black people, to to push their their perceived power upon non-white, specifically black people, to get whatever it is that they want. At the same time that they demean and act like you're stupid for the very thing that they want from you. And so I just observed all that, and I wish he would. If I miss a day of class, screw it. I'll get the information on my own. Ain't asking any of these people. I ask another non-white person, but I thought that was so interesting. He didn't ask me my name. He didn't say hello. He didn't even introduce himself to me. He just thought he was going to get my notes. But he's white, and he's probably so used to doing that, walking up on black people, asking or doing whatever, and black people always opening the door, giving this and doing that. So, no, that's not going to happen. And one, okay, really quick, I'm so sorry. So in the class today, we had a break. I was eating watermelon. That's another thing I decided I'm not going to feel funny about. I love watermelon. It's watermelon season. So I put watermelon in my bag. I'm sitting outside eating it before lap. So this white guy, I feel somebody looking up at me. I look at him. He looks at me. I, like I said, maintain eye contact. Don't smile. He looked away. I was like, excuse my language, but damn skippy, and kept eating my watermelon, went to class. I'm not going to break eye contact. Even if I start shaking, I think it's better for me, and we're just going to duke it out with the eyes. That's what it's going to be. We get into lab class. Now, the lab professor allows people to play music on Pandora while we're doing lab, which I think is so tacky. Guess what this white racist says he wants the Pandora station to be? 90s rap. So throughout the entire two and a half hours of lab, I'm hearing Tupac, Biggie, they play genuine, even though it's not rap. But anyway, nigga this, nigga that, nigga this, nigga that. And it's only <laughs> three black people in the lab. Everybody else is white. The white guy's the one said that he wanted that. That's what played. And, and I, I'm not saying anything because I'm just going to observe like a, like a scientist. I'm not, you know, whatever. I like rap, whatever it is, what it is. But I thought that that was very interesting. So um, I guess, I'm, you know, if anyone wants to comment, that's cool. But those are just some of the things that I'm practicing um, and some of the things that have worked for me. So... Thank you all for listening. Wow, that was uh, a mouthful. We got the, the classroom incident, and she's about to bear mace uh, this white dude at the concierge desk. Wow, we. Um, I, I guess I would say, number one, I think uh, with the workplace or the concierge situation with this uh, race soldier, uh, kudos high accommodation i think that should be taken seriously i think a lot of times what you mentioned in that scenario where this white guy gets to come in and talk about killing people i mean just think of in this climate they just had that terrorist attack that they've been talking about uh all week long and everything else that's been going on and he's like, oh yeah you you quote me on that you put my name by that oh yeah <laughs> it's may 23rd 2017 i'm gonna kill these mexicans if they do such as and if you imagine that uh, a black person coming in and saying that they're going to kill uh, some white people because they don't like what they're doing or they don't like having the access and, and being able to behave in that sort of 
belligerent, threatening way on a regular basis and to have that be tolerated. Uh, they don't get formal about this. Like, you know, you could be evicted or, you know, we could call them enforcement officials or all of the above and have that not happen. That right there is white power. But I think that's a phenomenal code to take it seriously. The first time that you feel intimidated, threatened, whatever it is, this has been logged. He's been making uh, violent threats uh, and I'm not going to tolerate it at all. I'm a female. I'm in a vulnerable position. My mace will be at the ready. Act of fool if you want that is outstanding, outstanding counter racist code uh, for the classroom uh, situation. I think I feel like we've heard this before. Uh, we have people uh, who are students and what have you where whites. They want to come and uh, steal your notes uh, for the class and what have you. Uh, and in fact, you said, I thought that was great when you noted that he was only asking uh, black females to steal their notes since he didn't show up for class. Uh, it's been my experience that sometimes whites are so competitive, especially for things like med school and law school, uh, these things where it's real hard uh, to get into the schools in the first place and what have you. Uh, white people won't share with other white people. Students I'm talking about, they will not share their notes. I've even heard at some of, you know, if it gets real competitive, some of the whites, they will have fake notes uh, so that they share the fake notes, not the real notes with someone right so you'll have all incorrect information and what have you to prepare uh for your test so that doesn't surprise me at all uh if this person was looking to cannibalize uh black scholars in the class and and that's just a great reminder for folks no helping white people no i don't have any notes uh, at all you can have fake notes too <laughs> to share but uh at any rate um, I thought that was great, uh, great observation. Uh, definitely encourage, keep asking questions. Uh, I think that's one of the ways that white supremacy works where black people get intimidated uh, to not ask questions. They'll either, they'll either try and do it where we're, oh, you're such a, you know, dumb, like she was doing when she said she slow blinked you where it's you're ignorant, you're stupid, I can't believe you don't know. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm a victim of white supremacy and you all did close schools in Virginia for five years. So there have been a lot of devastating ramifications for that. We'll try and correct it as best we can one of the ways asking questions now my next question <laughs> we figure keep asking questions that's exactly what needs to be done um and with uh i guess the other situation with the music uh great observation that might be one because we've talked about that in the workplace uh context as well um where whites will request you know yeah let's hear some of the the nigger music where there's nigger this nigger that bitch this nigger, and just black people saying all that filth um, where they will want that in the work environment. And I've even told some black people, yeah, I, I, I don't think this is appropriate for the work environment. I would do that also. I might encourage that for folks if you're in a classroom setting as well. And, they're, and I agree, that's totally tacky. If they're allowing that in a class, I, I, don't, I don't feel uh, that this is appropriate for a classroom setting. I'm having a difficult time concentrating. <laughs> just getting moved. I, I, I think it's great as well if you want to just observe and see why they would enjoy something like that. I know Dr. Welsing has talked about that also, but that's just a tip for anyone. If you want to deprive racists of a little of their uh, racist chicanery, yeah, I, I don't feel I'm having a difficult time concentrating. Can we get something else or no music at all? Thank you kindly. <laughs> just put it that way. Uh, did anyone have comments or suggestions uh, for, for Emmy? I feel like she had a lot of different vignettes that were happening. Any Any comments or suggestions? I have a comment. Yes, ma'am. About the music. I just have a comment about the music part. I've actually noticed where it seems like white men, they're, it seems like they're doing that all the time. And um, and my, I don't know, my thinking or hypothesis, or I, I'm not quite sure, but I kind of felt like 
they do those things to see how we respond if we are going to maybe even entertain, especially if that that white man had selected that particular station and there's only a couple of blacks. I feel like it's always it, it I feel like it's kinda of like an animal call with them just to see if we're gonna dance, if we're gonna sing along and then if that might give them the leeway, okay, well, since you're saying nigger now, then I'm just going to sing and sing the song and say nigger because I've, I've had that happen to me, but that was awesome. But that was like in like uh, middle school, you know, high school, stuff like that. I, that's what my my frame of mind is since, I'm, uh, since I feel like I'm starting to notice it a lot more. They seem like they'll play the loud black music um, when they're around other blacks or if they know they're coming into contact with them. Um, that's all I have. If I'm hearing that correctly, that sounds like that might even what I'm just what I'm hearing from you read in Ohio. That could be similar to, oh, we got some of the niggers uh, working with us. Let's use some of our slang. Uh, could be kind of the same type thing. Oh, we got one or two niggers here. Let's play uh, some of the good old nigger music and, and see what happens. See if they get in on it with us or, you know, if it makes them uncomfortable or what have you. Is that is that sounding accurately accurate to what you were saying, Red? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, definitely. I'm. I'm glad that you you said it like that because that's that's best. That's actually the best way to to frame it. Yes. Can I say something real quick, guys? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I almost forgot to leave out something important for y'all. Um, the lab instructor is a white male who has locks, and um, I forgot to tell you, but I thought this was very important. My lab partner is the black male. He's the only black male in the class. And we had to look at the microscopes today, look at something in the microscopes. We had six samples of things to look at. We were the only, and he, like, he would hand them to us. We weren't allowed to get our own slides out of this box. He was handing them out. The first two or three slides that he handed us didn't actually have anything on it. And I felt like he actually wiped it off because I saw him take his shirt and wipe the slide. And I was like, oh, maybe he's just getting dust or something off of it. So the, the, the black guy and I, we spent a very long time because, you know, we're learning to use the microscope and everything, trying to focus and like spent all this time. And every time I turned around because the, the white guy, the lab instructor is behind me, he's already staring at me. And so I was like, can you come over here and find this? And then he'd be like, oh, there's nothing on the thing. And then I just reached a point where I just started getting up. And then when I finally got an opportunity to look at the samples he was choosing from their slides like the material that the other students are looking at is clearly defined like it's a color substance on the slide he was intentionally handing us blank slides and watching us search over and over endlessly trying to focus in on this archaea or this bacterium and i noted that so not only is he white with his locks not only is he sitting here playing his 90s rap music and like whatever you know what i'm saying he's per- like we're the black people in the class He's the one handing us, and he's not letting us get it ourselves, making it so that we couldn't even look on the slides. But that's okay, because I peeped him. I know now. Wow. (laughs) That important addition uh, with the uh, lock-wearing instructor who is permitting this uh in the classroom environment which i've never heard that's too i've never heard from where you can't have a coat in a work environment and then where this in a classroom setting where they're playing uh music i mean well let me think i guess i have been not in a collegiate there we go i've been in uh in classroom settings like high school and stuff like that but not in a college classroom setting where there's been like music like that's 
that is a bit much. But uh, yeah, that's great context that he's deliberately sabotaging uh, you all's effort. And I've seen that sort of thing before. You know, we've talked about it in the context of uh, workplace racism, where some black people, Mr. Fuller included, thought, hey, if we just go to work, go to school, show these white people that we're competent, we're here to work hard and, you know, we're just as, as smart as they are and hardworking uh, as they are. That's not what this is about at all. <laughs> you go in there and showing them I want to speak up in class and do well and ask questions. <laughs> oh, my God. Like with that, we're totally opposed to seeing black people become intelligent, competent, capable, universal women and men. We're totally opposed to that. We want niggers. <laughs> we want you all just being about filth and trash so we can stomp on you forever. So, of course, yeah, he's doing everything that he can uh, to sabotage your effort blatantly right uh, right in front of the class there. Incredible. We're not incredible. That dogs bark, urge chirp, white people practice white supremacy. Uh, other folks, did any other comments on what Emmy had to share? If folks have their own commentary they want to get to, I have uh, emails to read as well. I I have a few questions. Proceed. Uh, I heard somebody else. Uh, are you referring to me, Gus? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, Miss Emmy, what is what is uh, your uh, jobs regulations to conceal firearms you mean like a gun or you mean the mace being a firearm i mean a gun you're not allowed to have any of that you're not even allowed to have like a pocket knife okay i was i was pretty sure of i just wanted to make sure uh then again you know it, it still may be uh and you don't have to answer you don't have to answer this because uh, it's, it's basically your business, uh, and I, I would I would always have that concealed on whether or not I have a firearm or not. Uh, but uh, uh, it may be a good idea to uh, to have a, uh, a permit, uh, concealed weapons permit, and have it in your vehicle. Uh, with the uh, the mace situation uh there still is some dangers involved with that i'm uh, i would figure that you would know uh about it uh white people have a tendency when something like that when counter violence is uh they're beset with uh they have a means to be able to turn turn that around on the on the victim uh itself uh so uh, also be prepared for that uh uh, it was something else that I was uh, uh, thinking about. Uh, oh, it, uh, as far as the class classroom, uh, uh, what your reaction was, uh, I would think if, if it was correct. But if you uh, you know grow tired of uh, that type of uh, shenanigans going on in the classroom. Uh, uh, have you thought about recording it and uh, sending it to the uh, uh, chancellor's or administration's office or take it to a, a news company in the area? Uh, the I'm pretty sure. Do. Yes, ma'am. I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, the, the reaction would not, not necessarily that they are 
or negative against something like that going on, but it would be considered to be embarrassing in a lot of cases in a in a uh, uh, quote unquote professional classroom environment. Uh, I would figure. I've, I've seen it a lot on YouTube, and I've seen it in the newspapers, and it normally doesn't have a favorable uh, 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 action to the uh, perpetrators, whoever they are, when something like that takes place in the classroom. Just some thoughts that I've had, that's all. Thank you. If If it gets out of hand, I always have my recorder handy. Yes, ma'am. Audio and visual. <laughs> Audio. I mean, because I, I would, I would like to, uh, I would like to see it. You know, something like that on, you know, viral on YouTube or whatnot, that sort of thing. So, you know, and uh, then see on how uh, state you, the people who are in charge, would would really appreciate that going on in a class because they may not even know. They may not even know that's going on in in a, in a classroom on and the at the university. They may not even know it. I like that too. I like that too. That'd be interesting to see the response to that. Um, just, I guess for, for folks who might say, uh, do you, I guess, concerns, uh, if you mace this race soldier in the work environment and they try to, um, I don't know, switch it around to reprimand you or, or say that, you know, this is some sort of violation, uh, you assaulted him, you know, they could even say that, you know, that, Hey, you, you, this is assault, you know, you using some sort of chemical, uh, on him, uh, in an unwarranted manner, you're not, you know, an enforcement official just cause you're at the desk here. That doesn't mean that you're an armed officer of the law to go out and, you know, assault people. Uh, what if, uh, what if they come at you in that sort of way, if it has to get to the point where you have to mace him? That's by well, concern. That's, also. that's why I'll start recording my whole shift. My recorder should last my entire eight-hour shift. And so, you know, I'm not trying to mace him. Like I said, if he comes up and he asks me for a package or he asks me to do something that is like, it's, you know, this is just normal, then that's fine. But any, like, if I feel it, I feel like I'm going to use my discretion. Again, I am in here by myself. It's been logged in emails many times that this individual has been aggressive towards either people that sit at the front desk. I've even logged it. Um, when I first started working there or to other individuals in the building, the fact that it is the overnight, um, and I didn't shoot him. I maced him. And so what will happen if I have to mace him, um, it will be at the front desk. I'm not any other place. So he would get maced at the front desk, and I would leave out the front building, which will have me on camera, because like, he can come through different ways, but it will have me on camera. I'll call the police and wait there. Until the police arrive, and then I'll deal with it there. If I have to leave the job or the job, you know, whatever, that's fine. But we have documentation, written documentation of his aggressive, threatening, violent behavior. And there's no way for me, I, like, I would be a fool to wait until he actually lay hands on me. To then be like, okay, maybe I should mace him or call the police. The, the, so it's a risk, but, it's, you know, I can't. Just thinking about what that would feel like for me is not something I'm prepared to uh, physically deal with or mentally be able to deal with, like being aggressed in that manner, like to make me feel physically threatened, like you're going to hit me or like spit on me or do some kind of thing like that when I'm at my job. I'm not I'm not going to do that. 
So, like, if he's all the way across the lobby and he's, you know, doing whatever, that's over there. But I'm saying you actually have to come to my desk or the desk that I sit at and, and engage in something. So I'm pretty sure this is not going to be silent, which is why I'm recording it. So I'll be able to have whatever he's saying to me, his tone, whatever words he's using. If he makes, you know, his dog or whatever, able to paint the picture as best as possible to um, have enough, re- you know, something behind me to say this is what made me do it. And the fact that property management hasn't said anything to him, my account manager uh, hasn't done anything, so I am left to my own defenses. And I do, um, I'm going to defend myself, to put it like that. May I ask something? Um, just along those lines, since you said that you do have documentation, I was also thinking about that too. And it seems like a lot of the times when it comes to like employment, the employers, if you if something does happen, they act like, well, the records are confidential. Is there any way, if you haven't already, like take some type of picture or something of the work document so it's not just your word against it, even though you have the video, but we all know that video, audio, all that, it doesn't matter. So maybe if you could have that too to help even back up your story even more. And then also, like we've talked about on other shows, just the words, um, so if he does do something to you, you're the victim, he's terrorizing you, stuff like that. Um, that's what I wanted to add. Thank you for that. I actually BTC myself on all of my logs. Um, so I have all of my notes that I've ever written, but you're correct. When I get in, I will forward all of the other notes that mention his behavior to myself. That way I can have those already in my own email so they don't magically disappear. You're co- Thank you so much for that. I'm going to do that. No problem. Great suggestion. Uh, any other <clears throat> questions, uh, comments uh, for Emmy? Uh, or if folks have other commentary that they would like to uh, add, that's welcome as well. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, to um, the caller, Emmy. Um, I would just say photograph the individual. And I consider putting it on social media. I've mentioned something like that before, but um, social media is worldwide. Um, tell the black men in your life what's going on. Identify the individual. And let them see a visual of who that individual is, just in case. Um, and I was going to mention as uh, the retired firefighter, I believe that was him, uh, mentioned uh, firearm if you were able to bring one, but since you're not able to bring a gun uh, in into work, but um, get your concealed carry license and pre- be prepared to take life um, if necessary. It's not something that is very pleasant, but it can be something that is necessary. Um, and then uh, it's been mentioned on this show before, there's other weapons. A gun is not the only weapon. Yeah, you have mace, and that's excellent. You may also have something that's like an extension since you may not be able to have a projectile. You know, maybe you can have, like um, it's been mentioned, tactical pins. These are devices that you can actually use to end someone's life, defend yourself. Um, There's tactical flashlights. You said, I think you said you were working the night shift, but I imagine it's probably um, high visibility in the area you're at. It's probably well lit, but if for any reason you're in a dark area, there's certain lights, flashlights that, you know, they shine real real bright. 
to blind your um, whoever the opponent is. Um, take martial arts class classes. Like even uh, for me, my mother put uh, me and my my male siblings into martial arts when we were young, just because uh, she was a single parent. At, at um, after my parents' divorce, she was a single parent, so she wanted us to be able to defend ourselves and defend her. And you know, so I I have a a stance. Even when I'm not doing anything, you know, people don't really try to sneak up on me, it, you know, because they can kind of tell, well, if I see you sneaking up on me, I'll probably harm you. And and they, they can see that they'll be harmed. Also, being, um, being observant, you mentioned you were observant. That's excellent. Um, keep your eyes on what's going on. Don't put it down. That's not where the action's going. All the action's not happening towards your telephone. It's happening. Uh, if you have your eyes level and, and looking, scanning around, they don't, people usually don't, uh, if they want to attack, they probably won't attack the person who's scanning the room. Uh, watch, watch, uh, videos about guns. Like there's individuals who will discuss gun safety and tactics of, of being a, a safe, um, gun handler and a um, proficient uh, tactical shooter and all that sort of thing, but they talk about situ situational awareness, being observant, um, making sure your your back is against the wall, being um, strategically positioned in every area that you're going to go into. And then uh, the last comment was about your biology class. Um, uh, biology is, is also something that I'm uh, uh, very fond of. We're, we all operate by the laws of biology. Um, in your class, I've noticed they, they do that a lot. You know, what I was doing um, in school and college, I just, I know that they, they, they do those. You can't really tell what, what the um, white people might be doing, but they're doing something against you. And so what I would do is I would be a floater. I would, I would go, you know, you don't know what's on that. Your slide wasn't, didn't have anything on it, but all the white people had something on their slide. Well, I go to school not just to make grades. I go over there to get the information that otherwise I don't have access to. So if I'm there, I'm going to learn any way that I can. So I would, if, if I were you, and, and I do it when I was in school, that's what I was doing. I would go and I would go to what the, when I was in lab, I would go to the other white people and I would look at their stuff. I would, I would have them, um, I would, I would mess in, I would just mess in, in whatever they're doing. I want to be a part of what, what y'all doing, whether you like it or not. And they'll eventually, you know, somebody's going to, going to allow you to look at, the information so that you can look at the slides, look at whatever it is so that you can get this information. You have to be just, you know, I would be very proactive in, in trying to force that, force, get that information. Uh, that's all. Lots of good suggestions. Lots of good uh, suggestions uh, to keep in mind. Um, I guess I would say, too, uh, with, with, uh, this is just something to think about. I'll phrase it that way uh, with the uh, suggestion telling the white person if they sneak up on you, you know, you could be harmed. Uh, I could see knowing how manipulative and even remembering Stacy in the UK, I, I rung her. She was with us yesterday. <laughs> she She's not with us today, but she was with us yesterday when Pam was on the program. Uh, and I think she said it was like 345 a.m. Uh, in the morning. Something uh, today, actually, because it was uh, it was Thursday for her. But uh, 
she said that she was falsely accused of being uh, aggressive and threatening a white person. Um, just I could I could see a race soldier taking that sort of thing. And oh my gosh, and Tim threatened me, uh, and you know, told me he would you know bust my head if you know I just I do a little joke from time to time, and you know it's all playing games. And he told me he was going to kill me or something <laughs> like I'm having a. Pa- I could totally see a racist uh, doing something. Just something to think about. Uh, it definitely, I can still see exactly what you said, where you know they just see that you're being serious uh, and are not going to mess around with your personal safety. I could totally see that, but just I do think that is some that's reasonable to think that that could also happen on the system of white supremacy. Uh, other folks have uh, questions, suggestions, comments uh, that they wanted to share. Anybody have any concerns about uh, Emmy taking the position that, hey, if this uh, race soldier, if he tries me, I'm busting the, mayor, the uh, bear mace out and uh, he is going to get the whole can full. Uh, anybody have concerns <laughs> about that or folks, uh, everyone think that that is black self-respect correct thing to do? No thoughts at all. <laughs> if, if this is right again, mm-hmm. I'm kind of torn between if it is black self-respect, but like I said in other shows, um, I'm real paranoid, so I'm definitely, you know, concerned for Emmy, but I can understand because there's only so much you can take. That's why I was, you know, offering the, the tips I did, but I do feel like it is black self-respect, but I'm, but it's just that there's definitely, seems like there's definitely going to be consequences with it, especially if he's someone who lives there. Mm. Um, this is Rochelle from Florida. I had a question about um, just thinking about getting ahead of a story, like, Reading of the worst case scenario of the story being used against you as um, uh, Emmy, as you being the aggressor, is there a way to, without risking your job, uh, get information to see if this person has a history of any violent behavior, even going back to high school? Because it feels like sometimes when our community is involved in something, uh, the media is, you know, ready with information of even something as minor as parking tickets. I'm just thinking about getting ahead of it because um, as the previous caller suggested, emailing yourself documents because the job may not want to release it. They may be um, more inclined to try and protect the resident, um, even over their employee. You having information that states, you know, if, if this person has any history of even a high school suspension for fighting, that's something where if you had, if you were privy to that information and the story tried to get turned around on you, um, you could kind of get it out there on social media that, that you had documented this, this person has a history of violent behavior and just using language where it's showing you're coming from a defensive standpoint, not as the aggressor as in need of protection. So that, that's my only thing. I do think it's black self-respect to figure out ways to um, definitely protect yourself and take on a posture where the people are aware that you're prepared to defend yourself, but also just trying to think, well, how can I make sure to get ahead of this story should it be tra- you know, used against me? So that, that was my comment. 
Um, I did try to search for him, but he has a very generic name. So I need um, a little bit more information from him. So I have been thinking of how to do that. Um, because I, the system that I have access to only gives me but so much information. Um, and then I tried to Google him and stuff like that, but his name, like I said, is very generic. And so I need to find out what he does or whatever it is um, to pinpoint him a little bit more. But I'm going to be quite honest. I don't uh, really want to get even to the point that I have to mace him. Um, we don't have the same interactions that the other uh, con people who work as concierges have with him. Um, and for the for the reasons that I mentioned earlier, I maintained absolute eye contact with him at all times. Um, I don't smile. I'm not friendly. I'm not any of those things. And I think that that keeps him from finding reasons to come and terrorize me. I'm simply so we don't talk. <laughs> you know what I mean? He doesn't even know my name because uh, he's the one where I developed the code where no matter what he says to me, there's only two things I say to him. He can say, what's your name? How can I help you? Where are you from? Do you need something? <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful day outside. Do you need something? Oh, isn't my dog lovely? How can I help you? Like, those are the mm. only two things I've ever said to him. They're the only two things That's I awesome. will ever say to him. So mm. oh, he's the one that, because he's like that. So we don't actually have, he doesn't have that leeway. So that's my first, like, that's, I guess, like, defense. Those are my pawns. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't set that up so there's, like, a nice big buffer. But should he choose to penetrate that because he got drunk or had a bad day, that's when I'm amazing. That's another thing. 95 to 98% of the people that I deal with in my job are white who have been drinking. Let's say they are white who have been drinking. They're not creeping in the building at 4 o'clock in the morning sober. They're drunk or have been drinking or ingest some other drugs. So I don't, I don't you know, all of that, whatever. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to get mace if you like, do that because you don't know. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing to say. It, it's just it's too precarious. And there are no cameras right at the desk. Um, there is no security officer. So, sure, but I'll be there uh, tomorrow. <laughs> we'll be wrapping up the book, and I'll be walking into work. So if I can find something on him, sure. But if he tries me at 1 o'clock on Saturday morning and I'm at work, you'll just get maced. But I do want to say thank you um, for all the great suggestions, though. Oh, I, I wanted to add something as far as since he has a generic name. I'm not sure if, if you know about, like, social engineering, how, like, people can get little pieces of information at a time, understand that you're going to be going back to work tomorrow or Saturday. But if there's a way of even him, even overhearing him speak to somebody else, like, just trying to get maybe some more of his birth, and then eventually the day, and then the year, that can kind of just, I mean, you might have to get it at different times. Hopefully he doesn't, you know, try you before then, but that could just be one way, just trying to get little bits of information a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. I think that's great, just having very little to say in the workplace uh, situation uh, to whites, meaning um, we're not going to have any big monstrous, you know, long back and forth dialogue, just real short, right to the point. Other folks have commentary. 
Yes. Uh, you know, uh, listening to and participating in workplace racism uh, really has uh, informed me uh, more so than anything, uh, especially about the the vulnerability of non-white black people uh, on their jobs. And I would go even further and say, especially black females on their job. Uh, wow. Uh, it's, it's, it's almost hard to, to give a suggestion really. Uh, and it, it really, uh, uh, identifies with the global system of racism, white supremacy, and its means of terrorizing us. The workplace is probably one of the most uh, uh, available environments for white people practicing racism on a on a daily basis. You know, in other words, uh, they may love love the job for what it is and also love to be able to mistreat non-white black people, you know, on their job. Uh, you know, so, I mean, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I, can, I can recall uh, a uh, similar situation. Black female, uh, the wife of uh, a uh, close associate of mine and uh, we were we were also uh <clears throat> at the time was uh i would say less confused in in my opinion uh we were still uh out organizing when we were off duty organizing within the community uh where we had an organization uh that uh was much like the black panthers and uh, his wife was having problems on the job so he asked us to show up to his job in full regalia uh, just imagine about 10, 15 black males, uh, uh, athletic looking, uh, showing up at his, uh, wife's place of business, which is actually with a police station. Uh, you will look at us, you will know whether we're armed or not, but I would say this, uh, it was kind of crazy to do it. Some would even say stupid. Uh, but one thing about it, his wife didn't have any, any more problems. If the problems were similar to what Miss Emmy was talking about, uh, white males do that for fun. I'm not saying that he's not serious, but I'm saying that they do that for fun on their jobs. Uh, and, and, uh, because it's something that they, they know they can do and get away with. Uh, and, uh, wow, I'm, I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning and, and uh, this this program is, believe me, it's very important that uh, we're able to call and and participate and share and exchange views with one another. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Context of white supremacy discussing uh, workplace racism hugely uh, important in my view. Um, 
I'm going to try and see if I can get these emails in because uh, they have kind of piled as we've proceeded with the program, which is a grand email if you you know can't call in until justice at gmail.com. I also wanted to double check. I asked last week if anyone had counter racist suggestions regarding how you, what words you would use uh, in going about requesting an increase in compensation, what they would call a raise. Um, and nobody had commentary. I don't know if that means people haven't thought out that that code, but I'll ask again to see if people did any research. Uh, but getting to the rest of the commentary that I have not read uh, with workplace racism, black male. I've been having more problems on the job since the Trump election. I already had problems because I am very quiet on the job. I only have conversations pertaining to the task at hand. Of course, the white people on my job noticed this. I've never it. I've never bothered anyone on my job, so my workplace incidents kind of took me by surprise. I was in a work area completing my important task when a white female worker approached me. She said, everyone is asking, what are you working on over here? I gave her a sort of weird look because everyone knows that I've been working on the same project for six months now. I replied, I'm doing prep work to stay ahead. She then said, oh, I was trying to give you a heads up. This kind of made me upset because I figured that the white people on my job were talking about me behind my back, probably trying to get me fired. I documented the incident and notified my supervisor of what happened. Not talking on the job has caused issues for me. That is many, many black people. Uh, We've heard this uh, consistently. Uh, I'm a big advocate. I think Roz he uh he has said consistently uh just kind of saying that from the very beginning that you know i'm just not a big talker uh you know some people they're gregarious you know they're gonna be the loudest voice in the room that's just not me i'm here to work Uh, i want to be a valuable member of the team and help us be the best organization that we can be but uh, i'm just not the the chatty kathy uh or you know (laughs) i'm just not gonna be that person uh, and, and as long as you're courteous and I've also said for some people where, you know, you feel like you're in one of those environments, you can even work out a code for that uh, where I've said you have specific things that you talk about. You ask questions. I'm a big advocate of that. You ask questions and particularly ask questions where you're getting more information about the job. Ask questions about things that you don't understand about the job where it can be we're conversing and I'm learning things about the environment I work, people that I work around. That way it is beneficial to you. It's not just a waste of time. So we can sit here and talk about, you know, who's going to win the French Open since Serena Williams is not going to be in it. You know, just wasting time talking about nonsense and giving them an opportunity to practice racism and study you. So uh, I've we've talked about strategies uh, to deal with that. Uh, and I still encourage, even with all of that, uh, it's best to uh, keep it quiet and just figure out your strategies uh, to deal with, you know, them having difficulties or making it an issue because you don't speak as opposed to you talking and talking and talking and talking uh, and then having to deal with the ramifications of what you said or alleged to have said and that sort of thing. Just my view, United Independent. Uh, other folks have uh, commentary or suggestion. Any suggestions for the person that wrote in? No suggestions? Um, I don't actually have a suggestion, but I do think that it was a fantastic observation to um, put the two together that you are being talked about. So I guess my only suggestion would be to just remain 
you know, really observant and continue to take notes and just do your job. I think that, um, you know, I don't know if they're whites with power who are chit-chatting or just unilateral whites, like who are, you know, you're like your coworkers or equals or something like that. And they're just talking about you because you're not being friendly. But um, I've had similar situations uh, because I'm not, I've been practicing not being that bubbly, chatty person. So then you get talked about and then someone says something like, oh, well, we didn't know you were. And it's like, who is this we? And then you realize that everyone was talking about you. But unless they have any influence or power, so what? And then I'm a big uh, proponent fan of letting your work speak for itself Um, so that you don't have to, like, I think what you're doing is correct. I don't think that you should now start being friendly or start doing anything different. Um, That's your code, and it's a really good one, and I think it's been proven to be effective. Uh, And then just keep taking your notes and make sure that you're doing your work. And uh, hopefully they will find somebody else, Not hopefully not another non-white person, but you know, somebody else to talk about. Because sometimes that's just what people do. They don't talk about other things. They just talk about people. So maybe you were the flavor of the week or something like that, and they can switch it up later. But just keep doing a good job at your job. Here, here. Here, here. Any other uh, suggestions, uh, recommendations for the person who wrote in? Uh, I guess having some difficulties maybe with being uh, quiet on the job and this white person, this white female saying that she's helping him out, uh, coming up to ask him what he's doing or what he's working on. Hi guys. Oh, Stacy from the UK in with us. See if my math is all right. So it's seven twenty one, or excuse me, three twenty one AM Friday, uh, in London, Stacy ringing us in. Is it, is it three twenty one AM for you? It's right on. Uh, did did you hear? I guess uh, have you heard what we've been talking about thus far? If you're just joining us, that's fine too. If you want to take a moment to get acclimated, but if you've been listening, if you want to comment, that's fine too. Yeah, I, I woke. Uh, sorry, I, well, yeah, I did wake up to tell and Emily discussing um, her situation, but I didn't hear the whole conversation. But I just wanted to respond to the um, person who's just saying that. The, or the email that he's been talked about and asking about his work. Um, yeah, again, you know, I've had similar things done to me. But what I sometimes you look back at things in hindsight and think about the way you could have handled things differently. I wouldn't change the amount of interactions that he has with staff because it sounds like this female is just trying to undermine him anyway. But well, if he has team meetings with his colleagues, um, we, the team that I'm in, we do updates in our team meetings. I would suggest he does an update at the project, the next team meeting on the project that he's working on, um, just as a way of bringing everyone up to speed on what he's working on. That way it kind of neutralises the, um, well, for the, for the time being anyway, neutralizes the attack. But those, you know, I wouldn't underestimate people walking around discussing you and your work. Um, and she might even want his project um, and wants to take over it. But, um, yeah, I would just say, you know, if, if people are talking and suggesting that he's not doing any work, to do an update at the next team meeting, but be very 
shrewd about the the amount of information you give over as well because whites have all kinds of um, agendas sometimes in terms of why they're asking you about your particular projects as well i'll meet my line great commentary from uh stacy in the uk friday already uh for her over there absolutely absolutely great point to keep in mind i'm going to make sure i get all my uh emails in before uh, the program wraps. So next email uh, on the list. Uh, so this uh, caller is uh, adding on to the caller and they were talking about whites uh, surveilling and monitoring black people in work environments. Said uh, if you don't have decent phone uh, or tablet and can connect to the office Wi-Fi, you should always use a personal VPN on your own device. If you have to do personal stuff, do it on your device while cloaked over the office network. If you are in an area where restaurants or eating places offer free Wi-Fi, visit those places, get the passcodes, and if they are close to your workplace, use that, but have a VPN to protect you. You can also have TOR, which is a free VPN service if you don't want to buy a VPN, but most services offer lifetime for $40. Uh, just look up the TOR project. All black people should have at least one of these. I also cover my company provided laptop camera. Absolutely. I would uh, encourage that. I will say that uh, former FBI director James Comey, before Trump fired him, he said uh, it, if it would make you feel better, it might be a good idea to cover your laptop camera. This is recent. This is like... Uh, in the last six months he said this but the way that he said it 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 almost sounded as if you know they probably got a million other means of you know spying and you know <laughs> checking in on what you're doing talking about etc which you should assume anyway as long as the system of white supremacy exists but uh, absolutely i would uh, encourage that and just the same thing that was said earlier i think the female caller about just not remembering these are not your devices uh, and remembering about that the net as about the network as well when you're at work uh, when you're logging on uh, other folks have uh, commentary I still got other emails I need to get to as well but other commentary or uh, suggestions people want to add has anyone here ever asked for a raise Wow, no one has asked for a raise. We should ask for a raise. I did. Oh, okay. I have. We got one. We got one. Um, and I'll, I'm sorry, I didn't. I wasn't in last week's call, so I didn't know about the question. But um, I just this. I was very confused. Um, and there's a whole story to that that I might say like some other workplace racism time. But uh, it, the short of it is, is with all of my experience and that I was certified, a nationally certified pharmacy technician and all this good stuff, they were trying to pay me like a dollar and some change less than some white girl who only had like a high school diploma and no pharmacy experience whatsoever. And because I, I was snooping and I overheard that information, so when I went back, I just told them the truth that um, I would not be able to work for them unless I had uh, an increase in my pay that was um, sufficient or like that matched my credentials and my work experience just because I would hate to actually even start the job. This is before I began, but would hate to start the job uh, because I wouldn't be able to work in integrity. Um, I gave it some thought and it just, it wouldn't work because it was like $4 decrease in what I had made in another situation. 
And that's what I said. And they said that they would talk with uh, my corporate, and then they gave me the raise um, before I even began. Um, but yeah, I told them that I just I wouldn't be able to continue, I wouldn't be able to provide them excellent service um, with that amount of money. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. I at first when you asked the question last week, I I actually forgot. But the only time I guess when I can somewhat say that I asked for a raise, it it was when I was more confused and I was basically, like someone else has said, I was just basically piggybacking off of what some white females in my same area um, were talking about because they were the ones who were really pushing the raise. And I, it was, I guess it was kind of surprising because typically with, with whites, as we've all been discussing, they'll do that type of thing um, just directly with their supervisor or whomever they have contact with. But needless to say, it didn't work out to where we got a raise, or at least not all of us got a raise. Um, but it, it wasn't me specifically. It was more like us asking as a group. Hmm. Guys? Oh, yes, Emmy. There was one other time. There was one other time recently in the corporate setting that I did also ask for a raise. Um, this time I was still more confused than I am now, but a little less confused. Um, and how I did it then was I took the, I had to actually fight for the list of my actual specified duties in my contract. Um, but I retrieved those and because I kept very copious notes of what I did all day, I was able to extrapolate my notes and say what I was actually doing and based, um, and then I presented it. And so what I did is I actually did do more than was outlined in my contract for a while. Property management got comfortable with it and enjoyed having all of these excess services, excess services. And then I presented, this is what you all are paying me to do. This is what I'm actually doing. If you want to continue to receive these services, I need adequate compensation. Because um, at the time I was like living in D.C. and it was very, very difficult. And I was like, I can't, I can't do all of this. Um, so either we can keep my pay what it is, but this is what you're going to get, or we can increase my pay and I'll continue to provide you all of this extra. Um, I did get the extra. It wasn't a whole lot. It wasn't what I wanted, but I did get a little bit. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. On, on my job and I'm pretty sure all, all across, uh, the, at least the Northwestern hemisphere on fire departments, uh, it's the same, uh, that primarily, uh, getting raises is, uh, something that, uh, uh, takes place based on, uh, rank, uh, based on, um, uh, uh, your certification skills, uh, that you have, uh, the closest to what I think is being talked about with pay raises is people in appointed positions. Uh, you can actually vie for a, an appointed position. Uh, and uh, that's never been my interest. But, but when I look at the job in itself, I think that's one reason why that uh, white people has made it so difficult for non-white people, especially non-white black people, to have jobs like the fire department uh, in certain places because of 
that you don't even have to say anything based on you've taken that test and you've gotten promoted that you're going to have X amount of dollars, uh, uh, that sort of thing. And, uh, so in, in a traditional sense of, of, uh, asking quote unquote, the boss for a raise, uh, that's almost, it's not existed. It, it, it doesn't happen a whole lot. It, Except for in my mind, I'm thinking about appointed positions. That's different, and they are very sharp at denying non-white black people of those appointed positions, also. And then if you get the appointed position, uh, it's very easy to get that get that non-white person out of that position. I, I recall a non-white black male who was who was appointed as a chief. And uh, they waited good until he went to a uh, a uh, quote unquote black firefighters convention uh, doing uh, and didn't come back fast enough for uh, for uh, I think it was Hurricane Andrew didn't come back fast enough and in turn uh, there was two black males who were chiefs that they demoted. Because of their them not following quote unquote procedure, you know one of those technical things that they would they would uh, impose upon you. Uh, they didn't follow procedure properly on how on coming back in due time uh, when Hurricane Andrew took place uh, down here in South Florida. Uh, but uh, for the most part, uh, you take a test, get promoted, or a certain amount of years that you're on in a position, they have to uh, give you uh, a pay raise. Even in my retired state, uh, they uh, I get you know pay raise. Even if you're not even a member of the union, you get a pay raise. So, like I said, that's I think that's one reason why white people fight so hard that non-white people don't get don't don't get uh, jobs of this nature. That's it. Absolutely. And that's uh, all across uh, this area of the world, uh, the U.S., uh, where they do not allow yes, black people to get those jobs. And I mean, though, you talk about quality jobs with pension and all that, everything, increasing salary, and all that good stuff. Man, yes, they uh, have done a brilliant job uh, in keeping black people from getting that type of uh, quality employment. And I would tell you the retired firefighter was not supposed to be a retired firefighter. I wasn't supposed to make it this far. <laughs> That's it. Absolutely. I think we made that point earlier in the program that at, you are going to have, like uh, I think it was Emmy, she said that the uh, <laughs> lock-wearing race soldier uh, was deliberately sabotaging their slides. Like that's what you're going to deal with in the workplace. And I, I was not informed. Uh, again, this is not a session to mope and cry. This is just being honest that this is what you're going to be dealing with in the workplace. So you want to be prepared to try to neutralize this as best we can. Uh, we got about 30 minutes left. If folks have other commentary that they, uh, need to get in before we wrap things up, you should do so, uh, quickly. We had, uh, one of our black female listeners, she wanted to, say that uh she she's working now but she appreciated the chance to be able to dial in she had an issue where a white woman was uh unwanted touching molesting her on the job and uh she uh was able to time and chime in and get some suggestions folks have any other comments that they uh wanted to get in uh, about what's been shared comments observations 
Mr. Steele, did you have a, a comment you wanted to get in as well? Saw you had a hand up. Maybe he's just listening or not in an area uh, where he can speak presently. I forgot our caller in the Bay Area, a uh, young listener, he, he dials in regularly. He, too, is in school. He said, in my history class, we are learning about World War II and how Nazi Germany was involved in it. Yesterday, we were reading an article about how little German children identify a Jew. I noticed that some of the features described were always to those of black people, broad six figure nose, darker skin color, droopy ears, dark and curly hair and much more. I later learned from one of my friends that the Germans went to northern Africa and murdered a ton of black people, apparently for no particular reason. This is what helped me further realize that the Germans killed the Jews because they looked nothing like them, but more like black people. So they were considered evil. Our young listener, 16 years old, young scholar uh, in the Bay Area. Again, I look at the classroom as uh, work. That's uh, kindergarten to, you know, post-grad. <laughs> that is, you know, I lump all that in with work. Uh, other, any other commentary folks wanted to make sure uh, they get in? Uh, oh, Stacy, did you have any, any other commentary you wanted to add? You've been with us long enough now. Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Yeah, um... I asked a question at the tail end of last week's program about um, staff networks, particularly, um, or specifically, um, staff, sorry, networks for black staff. And I was just interested if anybody had had the chance to um, think about that or if any of the callers were, um, had similar networks in their organisations and how productive, uh, constructive. They've been in ways in which they've made those or ensured that those networks are constructive. Um, and and before before I am um, in my line, I went to a, a conference earlier this week. Um, might have been at the end of last week, actually, um, around networks. Uh, well, sorry, specifically how racism in the workplace and um, how black women are identifying racism that they're facing in the UK. Um, and there were some interesting stats, actually. Um, it's from a report that's been released. I haven't read the whole report, but they um, it was part of the presentation. Um, and two stats that stood out, 70%. So, so sorry, they, they, they asked the question in a survey around racial bias um, to establish what, in terms of what age, how, how much bias there is and then which groups are showing most racial bias. And the stat was that 70% of young people in the workplace were shown to have some level of racial bias and that was the highest percentage. In, in terms of the age ranges, who came up, who came out highest, um, and the you know the the analysis is that you know we make assumptions that you know if once the older um, older generation dies out, that racism will disappear, um, and that's that is saying quite the opposite. And the second step is that over a five year period. 21,000 um, 
senior managers, black minority ethnic managers have disappeared from the workforce. And that's just senior managers over a five-year period. So, which was actually, you know, really interesting. I don't know what percentage of the workforce that is as a whole, but certainly they're specifically talking about um, senior managers. So, you know, this, this, this step, the analysis there being that progression and also so progression in the workplace is being hampered by um, racial bias. I'll meet my line guess. Hmm. I remember that from last week. Do we have any folks who have uh, any experience with uh, black staffing? Any folks with experience with that? I know I do not. Uh, any any folks? Any any experience with that? Uh, you said what? What did you say? Black staffing, uh, having like an employment uh, staffing service that's uh, specifically geared towards black people. Well, st- I guess it would be um, staff networks. Staff so, networks. yeah. So, for example, you know, most organisations that I include in that I work for have uh, LBGT network of course we have a women's women's network um and those things those two networks seem to be operating fine um or or rather there's there's no contention about that but um it seems to be quite contentious having um, a bme network and we were having uh discussions about whether it should be black and minority ethnic, or black only. And so at the moment, there's conversations around whether or not there should even be such a network. Um, and I guess beyond that conversation of should there be one, if there was one, how would it be, you know, how, how do you ensure it's, be, it's constructive? But I, I should also say I did really appreciate Ken Steele's um, comments last week around... Um, recruitment agencies and looking at their model and structure, specifically black-run recruitment agencies um, that specialise in black staff and looking at that model because I thought it was really useful, actually. I'll meet my line, Appreciate the extra insight. I know, uh, did retired firefighter, were you going to respond? I know you wanted clarification. Maybe he just wanted clarification. Maybe that was all. So, do we have anyone who? Oh, I, 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 I hear. I, I just took myself off mute. I was uh, doing something that would have made some noise. I see. Uh, no, I'm. I'm not really uh, familiar with it uh, from from what I gather. No. I see. I also. I yes, ma'am. I'm sorry. Um, my only suggestion, because I'm I'm not necessarily familiar with necessarily staffing networks. Um, I do, I have heard of a black investment, I didn't necessarily call it a network, but it was a group, and then of course when whites found, the white people found out about it, they shut it down, or they got it shut down. So my only thought, because I feel like with these whole other movements, I guess if you want to call them that, or people have been calling them that, like the LBGT whatever, and the women's, they can kind of hide under this 
cloak of, oh, we're all inclusive when more often than not you still have whites at the top of the management or the top, the top of these networks. I'm wondering if there's a way to how, how whites do. They make things specifically for them without necessarily coding it as, oh, this is whites only. So just very being somehow targeting just black women without saying, okay, well, this is just a black women's staffing network. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think about that, Stacey? Yeah, I, th- I think there are um, times when that approach is definitely a good way to go. I think because of where we are in terms of the conversations that have already taken place, it is um, already being discussed as a, a black or BME network. So those and, and to be honest, I wasn't steering that. This came from one of the group directors. Um, so to a certain extent, it is something which is being looked at at senior level, um, but it's still at conversation stage. Should should such a thing exist? Um, um, and so, yeah, so there is a senior level of buy-in. Um, so I guess at this stage for me, it would be, is it constructive and how do you ensure it's constructive? And part of it as well is whether or not I even want to be involved in the thing on a, my own personal level. Um, but yeah, no, f- fair enough. If, the, if the, there's, mm, you know, if you don't have that sort of things in sorry such networks in the united states it it might be quite different but yeah i was just inquiring really i'll mute my line gus last uh, few minutes of the broadcast again i'm not surprised at all that the uh, lgbt anywhere in the world have great resources for employment or any other networking opportunities that they need. Um, any other uh, comments, observations? Folks want to make sure they get in before we conclude. We have a uh, second-to-last study session on Coretta Scott King's autobiography, My Life, My Love, My Legacy. That's tomorrow, same broadcast time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, any other commentary? Folks want to make sure they get in. I, I would say the closest uh, thing uh, from my experience to this uh, term that's called black staffing, based on what I think I've heard, uh, uh, is, uh, well, with with uh, Dade County Fire Department, uh, there was an organization, uh, one of your guests, uh, Charles Phillips, uh, he was one of the founders of this uh, organization called the Progressive Firefighters Association. And I would say all over this part of the world, uh, with uh, especially the large uh, fire departments uh, in the Northwestern Hemisphere, uh, there is some sort of uh, uh, quote-unquote black organized effort. Primarily uh, what they do is they are attempting to be watchful uh, for uh, entry-level hiring and quote unquote promotion maybe maybe some maybe if uh some conditions that uh that are quote unquote obvious 
that uh, uh, of mistreatment of non-white black people that they uh, basically go to the uh, the people in charge and and ask that uh, uh, they not uh, mistreat us and in in that way. Uh, I can recall uh, that uh, myself and a few other uh, associates uh, uh, attempted to uh, uh, offer to uh, this group uh, to uh, become more uh, visible to the quote-unquote black community, black area, uh, black people in itself. And uh, they grew very afraid of that concept because it would make them uh, rival with the union, which is code for, you know, powerful white people. <laughs> and uh, they turned it down uh, back many, many years ago. Uh, but that's the closest thing that I that I've experienced to what I'm hearing. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I was going to comment uh, on the young scholar from the Bay Area. His uh, it, what he had written in about um, Nazi Germany and them killing the quote-unquote Jews, because... That's uh, not really workplace racism. That's not really workplace oh, racism. Oh, it's not? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sorry. He's yeah. just sharing an that, observation that was, from the classroom. Uh, that was the only reason that I read uh, it, but yeah, that's not really workplace racism. Yes, sir. Compensatory call-in this Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Feel free. Uh, that'll be one you can uh, get in for this coming weekend, uh, so we can get details on that. Anything else? Uh, workplace racism uh, commentary? Are folks satisfied for the evening? I will assume folks are good. Uh, make sure uh, we are documenting. Oh, check. Make sure I didn't miss anyone. Yeah, oh, I did miss someone. The caller is 6900. Sorry about that. I didn't have the switchboard immediately in front of me. Greetings, Gus. Uh, can I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, uh, Gus. Greetings to the callers and the listeners. This is Jay out of New York. Uh, sorry for the late dial-in. I was actually traveling from the city, so I didn't want the background noise. Um, I was listening to um, the question that uh, Stacey uh, from the UK had posed in reference to diversity networks. Um, I actually worked as a diversity specialist for one of the uh, larger companies, probably in the early 2000s, and we ran very um, detailed groups just like the ones that Stacy's referencing. And we had a number of groups. So there were uh, the black network, it was a black network organization, there was a female network organization. At that time, we were doing a lot of H1B visas, so we had a lot of East Asians, and they started their own group. The only problem that I saw with all of those networks, especially the black network group, is that there was a report that needed to be done at the end of each meeting, because you have to keep in mind it's on work time. So at the end, the individual, the, the white people within the organization want a report on what you all are doing on work time. Um, so once you started gravitating towards what's wrong, what's happening within the organization, there would be 
white person that would come into the meeting and try and facilitate, um, answer questions and things of that nature. And for me, that used to take the productivity and the constructiveness of the meetings right out of the door because they would take that. And I felt that they were actually strategizing and just refining the things that they were doing after each meeting of some of the gripes or programs that we came up with talking about they didn't have enough funds. Um, so I just find that anything that's done in a constructive effort, um, especially because it's on work time and all the reports had to go right back into the usual suspects that they utilize that against us, but groups that they wanted to be highlighted, like the East Asian groups, they would have tons of programs for the quote unquote Hispanic groups. Uh, but we always found our way kind of at the bottom in reference to the things that we needed outside of the programs that they were getting benefits for, like the black engineers where we would go and, you know, recruit people from, if it was staffing and recruiting, we would get all the funding. But if it was anything in reference to going out in the community, doing any type of work that was constructive um, on the next level, uh, that seemed to always get put on a back burner for, as Dr. Welsing would say, it, the, the blacker and uh, in, in tone, the less resources there are kind of on a global scale. So um, that's probably the closest that I could get, but I definitely just wanted to interject on that. Hopefully that was helpful. I'll meet my line. Wow. Appreciate that. Uh, Coretta Scott King said the same thing. Uh, in her book on a global scale, she said that was what she observed. The darker you are, the more melanin you have, the tougher it was to get resources. She made that same observation. We talked about that last week. My life, my love, my legacy coming up tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, did we, we had a first time caller today too. Did we miss, uh, anybody, anybody uh, else have commentary that they wanted to get in that I overlooked or, uh, missed any other comments, questions they wanted to get in. Everyone said, Oh yes, sir. We can hear you. I just, I just want to, um, make one quick comment on another observation. Uh, we've had this uh, older white man been coming in, I guess, to look up records on a, I think it's a, a black cemetery or something like that. And he he liked to go off into a, like a tangent on um, different events in history. Because I guess, you know, they couldn't bury black people uh, around, I guess, white people or something like that. And he was just, he was saying a whole bunch of different you know, stories about how uh, black people would be, you know, told they couldn't go to different swimming pools and how white people are going to get, like, drums of acid and pour it into the, uh, the swimming pools and stuff. And, you, you know, and, like, the person that was helping them was a, a black female. So she was, like, while she was trying to help him find the records or whatever, you know, he just, he, he, uh, talking about these different events, you know, about, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma and how they had a, like a, uh, like a, a black area or something like that. The, I think it was, um, the black wall street. And, you know, she was just like, it seemed like she was trying to listen to what he was saying, but, you know, 
it seemed like he just want to just come in and just talk about all this kind of stuff and not really focus on what he's trying to look for. You know, he's saying that his, uh, his, his, uh, I think his great grandparents, I guess, own slaves and stuff like that. And, you know, and she was confused. So she was saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you're not like that. So, you know, he mentioned in the uh, KKK and a whole bunch of different things. So the other black female, she pretty much got in a debate with him the last time before he came in. So, yeah, this this guy he usually he'll come in every now and then, and he brought in flowers for the uh, the other lady that sent up, but she wasn't there that day. He came back in. So, yeah, I just wanted to bring that up, and that's that's all I have. White people are not ignorant about racism at all. <laughs> I'm sure it's a lot of white people who could, you know, recount and go back and give out all kinds of details uh, like that about what they used to do or what their uh, great grandpappies and grandmothers used to do to the niggers. Um Yeah, lots of whites could, you know, <laughs> hours and hours and hours going over all that detail. Uh, with that, uh, unless we miss anybody, anybody else, anything final they wanted to get in before we conclude? grand we will be here tomorrow uh coretta scott king my life my love my legacy 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific uh, i hope it has been a constructive investment of your thursday evening uh you can always write in until justice at gmail.com uh if you have uh, workplace issues that you want to share get commentary and as always <clears throat> update us right like if you let us know about a situation, if you take some of the suggestions, if you don't, just let us know how it goes because that helps us get a better understanding uh, of what strategies work, what strategies don't work, uh, maybe some terms to use, words to use, that sort of thing. It can be very, very helpful uh, to just kind of let us know how things evolve. With that, thanks again for everyone who participated. I uh, hope it's worthy of your time and energy. Uh, I will state sobriety would be best under conditions of white supremacy uh, race soldiers they do all that they possibly can to terrorize and abuse black people the Daniel Holtz Claws and Darren Wilsons of the world abound you do not want to make their job easier by being under the influence alcohol tobacco cannabis any other uh, poisons toxins that racists concoct uh, all of that stuff uh, the evidence shows it abounds uh, that when we are under these substances, uh, it generally just makes it a lot easier uh, for us to be terrorized and abused. Uh, racists, they already have enough advantages. We want to do everything we can to protect our brain computers so that we can come up with solutions, permanent solutions to the problem, the system of white supremacy. With that, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice 
immediately. Cal signing out. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, What's brother. Your problem? You're a victim. Right. I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Mm-hmm. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.